the new beverly cinema presents the pure cinema podcast and it is october october uh, spooky season we're very excited uh our favorite time of the year uh and every year we like to do something special for halloween uh, i'm not sure how many years ago it was it was either last year or the year before we did triple features with i Jack think it was Stewart. two years ago i don't know what we did last and year for special. i don't know what we did last year either maybe maybe we were off air patrick says we did not uh but uh this year we did decide to do something we came up with our topic um, which I'll start with, which we dis- we wanted to emulate, in a sense, the New Beverly's All-Nighters, which mean a lot to me, and I've had I've been to uh, three or four of them and just had the absolute best time. So we kind of want to emulate that structure, but when we came up with the topic, we also decided, ah, oh, I still want that special quality to this, this month. What's going to be that little X factor for this episode? And we both looked at each other at the same time. Probably not exactly like that. No, because we were on the phone in the car. Okay, we didn't, yes. Uh, that would be awkward. And we said... <laughs> Patrick Bromley of F This Movie is the perfect addition to this episode. And then I said, but we don't Skype. Yep. So we flew him out. Yep. Welcome, Patrick. Hi, guys. Thank you very (laughs) much for flying me out. I'm so glad that you had Tarantino on and then me. Yes. (laughs) Natural progression. That's the shadow that you have to fill today. (laughs) Right, exactly. Uh, No pressure. But like, beside the fact that we love your show, which everyone should be listening to if they don't, and just uh, love your presence with movies and your movie love for movie lovers. So uh, we we think we tick that box. But um, also just like, you know, long-term horror fan. And you've been also working on quite a few lists lately, which I appreciate different kind of you know written lists of all-nighters or uh, tell us a little bit about a couple of the ones you did recently i uh, have just always programmed these uh hypothetical marathons so i do these columns called 24 hours of movies where i usually start at like 10 a.m or noon and go till you know noon the next day um and so there was one that i did recently because i was too excited for october so i just did one for horror movies just because um, and then after that, I did one about uh, someone pointed out, I shared it to Facebook and someone had pointed out that there were no female directors on there and they weren't doing it in a confrontational way. They were just saying like, oh, yeah, I tried to make my own list and I had no female directors either. And I said, oh, that's that's a really good point. I should make one that's all female directors. So I did one that was all horror films directed by uh, women. Any uh, interesting curveball choices in there that we might not have? Um, I mean, I tried to program a couple of shorts. Oh. And I went with uh, the being over Blood Diner. I- I'm I'm definitely being over. I'm, team, I'm in that team. Camp being as well, well I'm, I'm in the right place, you guys. No, Thank yeah. you again I, for bringing I get, me on up. On Shockwaves, everyone was probably. I think everyone's Blood Diner over. I think Blood Diner really? is the yeah. Blood Diner is like the the popular it, choice. It, well, I guess for me that one's a little that's campier and funnier and sillier. But cannibalism is not tend doesn't tend to be besides Chainsaw Massacre tends to not be my bag. No. So, I really think the being is funny. I love the creature. Fa- I like Goopy and Martin right, Landau. Right, right. Yeah, the Martin yeah. Landau's great. <laughs> uh, but Jackie Kong is king, so there you go. Right. Anytime you, you coined that in. expression. Um, <laughs> Kong is king. I don't know if I was the original. Cause, uh, I'm going to say was, you were. There was a movie that did it many years ago, Kong is <laughs> king. But, you know, uh, uh, but, yeah, and also if, if there's a fun episode where I joined you uh, in Chicago not long ago, and you've done episodes with Brian before. Yeah. So it's, He's been on Just the Diss, and I've been on F This Movie yeah. but once, but, only once, I think. Uh, twice. Twice. Okay. Yeah. Good. Cool. I forgot. <laughs> but we, me and you've been hanging. I like them and hang out today, talking about kind of like where does you know where do I where's our love horror come from? Like I was saying to you, like most of the people I've met, um, it it fucked them up at some point when they're <laughs> little, and then somehow they're scared for years, and somehow they turn out to be these crazy horror fans. I'm like, it's kind of an it's an interesting uh, paradox in a sense, but it's very common with the people I've talked to over the years on Shockwaves. But you you were saying you were a little different. You were always you're never that scared of them. You just were drawn to it some reason. 
Yeah, I don't know what it is. From the earliest age I can remember, I was obsessed with monster books from the library and just pouring over. Before I saw any of the movies, I knew mm-hmm. who all the actors were. I know what all the movies were. Had never seen any of them. I just liked reading about them and knowing information about them. And maybe that was a way of conquering some sort of unconscious fear that I wasn't aware of. The only time I really remember being scared was like somebody describing the bed scene in Nightmare on Elm Street to me. It wasn't the movie itself seeing it. It was somebody at school saying, I saw this movie. Here's what happened. So then when I went to his house probably a week later to watch it without my parents knowing, I was nervous about that scene coming up. But then when I saw it, I was fine. So it's never been about being scared for me. I don't exactly know why I'm so drawn to horror, why I love it so much. Um, I've never been able to answer that question, but I also notice that horror is the only genre where you're forced to answer that question Mm. by people. Why do you like this? Why do you like Like this? Yeah. People who don't like it. Nobody ever says, why do you comedy? Why do you like comedy? Yeah. But horror, you have to defend liking it to people that don't like it. And I don't have a good answer. Um, but it was never because it scared me. I wonder if it comes from a place of people thinking like you're some kind of degenerate and they're just like, I got to feel you out and make sure you're not actually a creep. Right. Like what, if you have a good answer for this, maybe, you know, it's okay. (laughs) I just always say, I like to see things die. (laughs) That's good. And that seems to do the trick. They usually run away, right? (laughs) Did you, were you similar or were you drawn? Do I like to see things die? Yeah, you're like, well, I know that. Uh, No, I was a, I was a chicken, you know? Yeah, I I mean like um, one of my, well, I don't want to. I'll tell this story when it comes up later because this movie is actually on my list. But um, there was a birthday party, and uh, there was a horror movie on, which will come up later. And it was it was a TV cut of the movie, and I remember we we're. It was like a sleepover, a big group sleepover at this guy's house, and I was in probably middle school. And I kept like watching a little bit, and then I'd go out of the room. I don't know if I told this story in the show or not. I don't think I did. I go out of the room, I go upstairs, and then uh, I'd come back down, try a little bit more, and come back. You know, oh, right. I had a similar thing on one of my birthdays. Uh, we had friends over, and Poltergeist was on TV. It was like the first TV yeah. broadcast of it. That was scary. Time. And we had an instance where I, I can't remember. I think there was a break, or we took a break, and we went outside, and we were in this open lot next to my house, and we were just talking, and suddenly there was somebody like away on the other side of the lot, and we couldn't see who it was, and they were like whistling. And we thought it was somebody that we knew. And when we called out the name of the person we thought it was, the whistling stopped. And then everybody was like creeped out and literally fucking ran in the house. (laughs) So I had a couple instances of like movies, horror movies on TV that really got me, Mm. you know? I don't know what it was. But did you then find yourself drawn to them? A little bit later, yeah. I think eventually it came around. but But the initial response was like... I don't know if I can handle this kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. I think it was definitely a, a thing of conquering it later, initially being afraid. And then once I conquered it, you know, you want to continue to fight it. But did you have, uh, I'm curious about both of you. Did you have movie support, or like horror movie supportive parents or ones who were not letting you see certain things? I, I mean, they were pretty good about just letting me watch whatever I wanted, yeah. to be honest. But um, they were not horror fans. They've never been horror fans. Yeah. They'd earn into that. But would they, they wouldn't have stopped you watching. I mean, if they had been sitting there with me, they might have. Yeah. But um, And not to say that they were lax about it, but it was just a thing where they're like, you know, he can watch. He, yeah. He's old enough to make those decisions, I guess. You know, it's one of those things where, you know. At six. <laughs> at six years old. He's mature for six. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he looks seven. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Yes. Um, one of my first of- R-rated movies. My parents were not necessarily horror fans, but one of my first R-rated movies was Creepshow. Yeah. 
I remember RVCR. My dad really wanted to show me Creepshow. RVCR broke. We went to a store and rented a VCR specifically so that he could show me Creepshow. That's cool. Um, so that's you know pretty supportive. Yeah, um, that's great. Beyond that, they knew that I loved horror movies, but weren't necessarily. It wasn't something that we did together. They weren't showing me horror movies or anything like that. It was something that I discovered pretty much on my own. Mm. Yeah, no, I had a similar creep show was early for me, but it was used in the other way. It was torture, like somebody locked the door and made us watch creep show. I think it's I was still five. a creepy story. It to is me. creepy. It was like a guy who was dating my mom, and he turned on, and it just fucked me up. Really? Well, I don't remember what specifically. Do you know? uh, the the roaches part, messed me up a little. No, that, it was only fluffy. I, I just remembered okay. the crate. Okay. That's what I remembered. I, I didn't know for years which movie I had seen, and right. I think maybe those pop stylized colors. And comic book style is what makes it even maybe scarier for a kid. It's like a cartoon, and you it's can like a Trojan to, horse. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. It's right. coming in. Yep. That's oh, it's pop, and it's and then it's actually more frightening. But um, but it did take me years before I realized what movie I'd seen. Um, so wait, he locks the door. He didn't tell you what you're gonna watch. He just turned yeah. it on. All, like you, memory's a funny thing, right? So all I remember is being told, "Hey, Little House on the Prairie's on," <laughs> and right. we all came downstairs, and I don't know where my mom was, and he closed the door. My memory was a lock went. And then put in this thing in the VCR, and it was creep show. Wow. That's my memory. It's it's, it's um, definitely sounds like child abuse. So. Uh, but it, and I, what I can't remember though, to be honest, I can't remember where to turn from because I definitely was scared. I, I was telling Patrick earlier. I remember the scenes when I watched Cujo with the kid, and he's so scared to get in bed and so scared. I remember being that kid, like who would turn off the light and run and jump into the bed. I did that. Pull the cover. All of that just is so familiar, but. I know The Shining was the first time I was drawn into a horror film. Like, I wanted to see it more, and I wasn't really scared. It was more just the tension. But I don't know. Maybe that was the turning point. When the, But I, I, I do remember Nightmare on Elm Street was also another one then. Like, you know, being invited to a party, and everyone had just watched, and they kind of messed with me, pretended they hadn't seen it. Right, gave me right. scares, and it really... It, you know, that's a scary one. It's just, you know, it has scenes that are so original. Right. Um, you know, even just see, opening in the boiler room with yeah, somebody right, chasing right. you with, you know, in the dark. It also knew how to film in the darkness. I think it, I think he's really smart because that's where, that's where the trajectory of Freddy changes so much. It's not just the comedy. It's that by four, he's standing on a beach wearing sunglasses. Right. right. <laughs> and so it's the brightly lit. Right. But in that first movie, he's in darkness a lot of the time. Yeah. And he's, uh, and the, the rules aren't set. To what he does, like when his arms grow long and he's chasing, you're like, "What the hell is that?" Yeah. You know, it's uh, so. I think Wes really tapped into you know those things from that he had seen in his childhood, mixed with other myths so well that he con- concocted something that really would you know stand the test of time. It must be so surreal for him to have seen where that character went in other people's hands. It must be it's such a weird thing, you know? Yeah. It's this co- like broad comic kind of character by then. Based on what he does in New Nightmare, you can tell that he wasn't yeah. crazy about the direction yeah. it took because that movie's all about reclaiming Freddy Krueger yeah. and saying, no, he's scary. He's the boogeyman. He's, yeah. he's you know, causing real fear. Um, I was way too old to be scared by... Zelda from Pet Cemetery because I was probably like 12. Oh, really? That definitely fucked me up too. But I was, uh, while we're talking about like, I'm all, I wasn't scared of anything. I'm posturing and then I'm remembering having to walk through my mom's bedroom to get to like the laundry hamper and being positive that Zelda was going to sit up on the bed like she does in the movie, you know? Damn. Zelda still freaks me out to this day. Yeah. That's no. still the scariest thing I've seen in a movie. Yeah, and we now. both, both Brian and me both really like uh, the new Pet Symmetry, but the one thing it can't touch is the Zelda stuff. Yeah, I mean, I will say that some of the residuals from the first movie helped elevate that. Yeah. 
and the different approach that they took to it. Which no, I yeah, and I'm good. glad they did. But it's, that's the one thing about the first one that didn't age. There's something – I think it's, it's somewhat the uncanny nature too mm-hmm. because of who they're casting mm-hmm. yep. in that role. There's just something unnerving about it. Oh, yeah. It's a great thing about horror movies is like I, I find there's some movies where, I don't know, even 60% of it could not be that interesting to me. But if they nail – the parts that are important mm-hmm. and if they kind of the thing that might get in your skin or it could be a practical effect could be whatever it is it, it stays with me an ending ever yeah it Sleep could be landing camp. and ending yeah exactly yeah like one ending can make you recontextualize the whole thing but i i don't want to say we're more forgiving with horror like like we might be as fans i don't know but um but i do expect like i don't need everything to land i just right. I need something right. to go for it. i need something to swing for the fence though right like that's why that's why a lot of the films that we often have talked about on the show that are bonkers and quite mm-hmm. are work it's because yeah a lot of the story of the visitor might not work but my god when it goes there there's a couple sequences that are phenomenal well when you see as many movies as you guys see yeah to see one that is doing something well i haven't seen that movie before yeah. like that goes a long way i haven't seen that movie before or i haven't seen that presented the way that this movie presents it and that's true of horror movies too it can be something as simple as oh the practical effects were great but then sometimes it's just the ending of sleepaway camp well, i haven't seen that before uh <laughs> that i didn't i did not see that coming nope so disturbing till to this day. <laughs> really? Well, it's about the facial expression, really. Okay. That's the one. That was a mask. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but it took me a while to... to un- well, A, you don't get that at the beginning. You're like, how did they date yeah, do that? Yeah, right, right. And that's a great... They thing. found a little girl with a penis. Yeah. Oh! Yeah. That's... Okay. Well, that makes the most Cinema sense. Cinema verite, it's that, called. I, oh. I do hear those stories. I think Joe Bob Briggs talks about like, <laughs> the, the guy, whoever the guy was, <laughs> who had to oh, do yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, penis. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He just had a couple beers, and he's right. a college kid. That must be pretty unnerving all you're going to be remembered for. And now you've got him on the show, guys. Yeah. So all right. This is the big reveal. <laughs> Selfies uh, later. But, but at least you have pants on. So. Uh, pants on list. So, um, <laughs> well, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure we're going to touch on uh, the personal all the way through, probably, who knows, uh, depending on what, what these lists are. So uh, we'll just talk about, like, um, so my experience, having gone to a few new Bev ones, I thought, you know, obviously, uh, we've been doing the show with the new Bev, so it'd be fun to model this idea on what they do. I thought there was more rules and structure to this in my brain when I went to these screenings, but turns out all we were looking at is six six movies. Uh, one of them is, I always thought it was, was a classical movie, but it turns out it's just a black and white movie. Uh, and... For some reason, I always thought it was played at midnight. Turns out it's not. And they, they use trailers to kind of usher in. They usually play three to four. Uh, some of my favorite moments that I've ever had in a movie theater, one was uh, I was noticing a bunch of part twos being advertised, and I remember I was sitting with a friend of us, Jared Rivett, and I just turned to him and goes, imagine if it was Fright Night 2. And then I, then I think the, after all these part twos, then Fright Night trailer played. And I went, oh, my God. I think it's about to happen, and it did. And it, that film, because it's been so kind of maligned, and I've always said it's a great film, that, that probably played as good as any movie I've ever seen in a theater with an audience to that crowd at that time. It just like I remember somebody who said, oh, I never liked that movie, and afterwards they were like, oh, my God, that movie's so good. I mean, the, the effects on that movie are so great. Um, Tommy Lee Wallace forever. But uh, that was one I remember. I think the trailers are a great way to kind of just, you know, just set the tone. But we're we're not going to, you know, do multiple trailers. So the idea, we're going to lead in each one of our picks with just two trailers. We're not going to go deep on the trailers. It's just to kind of set the tone of what the feature will be. Um, and we're going to do a kind of round-robin style per pick, and then at the end kind of recap our 
our whole list, so each person, if, if anyone wants to. I mean, part of the reason to do something like this, I think, is to give people, I think a lot of us look to the internet uh, during October for ideas of, oh, what should I watch this October? How's this person approaching it? They're watching 31 new films, or just like what you're saying, uh, you know, an all-nighter design directed by a woman. Like something to give yourself a direction with, because there's just so much out there to choose from. Or if you're somebody like me who's been covering horror movies for how many years, it's almost the opposite. You know there's still stuff to be discovered, but sometimes it gets you get a little stuck with what you're watching. But, well, um, and I did tell you this off mic, but you being on that show and me and Patrick both, uh, having been fans of you since Killer POV, um, there's so many horror films that have been talked about on that show that we haven't necessarily talked about here, but it did get in my head. It oh, did yeah. get in my head as far as what I was picking because I was like, oh, that's really been covered a lot. And we don't, I know there's obviously crossover, but I, I do think our fan base maybe likes horror but it's not necessarily their favorite thing or it's i don't know i I, i'm still getting a sense of it you know but um so then there was just this idea of like what should be on this list what Mm. is yeah concocting i guess that's the question yeah to start with like how do you approach a list like this because you came on um shockwave's last maybe that's why we didn't that's probably we probably didn't do a big october thing last year for this because you came on shockwaves and oh yeah like we did an all night thing, yeah, so it's, yeah. it wasn't structured in the same way. Yeah, um, so that could be why. But yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Like I definitely were, was. Uh, I was avoiding films I've spoken about here, but I have a couple that I've talked about for sure on Shockwave. So. Well, it'd be hard. I mean, yeah, six like, years of prep. Yeah, and also, you're you're not. It's not really about the like for me. It's not the individual film. It's like what is the experience? Well, of yeah, six movies. I remember one of the rules that you gave us, or one of the things you pointed out on the Shockwave show, was like at like four or five, I think it was five, I can't remember, there had to be a certain kind of energy because you had to keep people awake. Yeah, it's tough. And and yet I've seen that counter-program. Like one of my favorite memories was um, Ann Timpson, who also programmed the New Zealand version of a all-nighter, and I remember him playing City of the Living Dead (laughs) right at like a time where you literally felt like you are totally delusional. Like I just, I remember that was the first time I'd seen it too, was like on 35, the middle of the night. That's exactly how I saw it. Yeah, and it's a movie that like... Basically, or at like it, two a.m. Oh during an all-nighter, yeah, and it feels like a hallucination of some kind yeah. at that time. Some of those sequences, because they kind of go on a long time, and the gore goes past the point right. where it's an effect shot. Now it's just like <laughs> navel gazing on this grotesque. It's it's really some movies are better at others, but but yeah, you can see, you could program. That's the fun thing about programming. Uh, I know there's the um, the exhumed films does the I think it's a forty-eight hour. Oh my god! Maybe, no, maybe it's just twenty-four hours in here, but it's twenty-four full hours, not like a, just an all-nighter. And you know, they program some things in the middle that people plan to take their sleep. You know, actually, oh, I'm going to have a break here and go sleep in a corner for four hours. Oh <laughs> so I guess you're programming. It, you know, it's 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 all a choice. So th- I think an all-nighter though is pretty doable because you know it's you're it's only a limited amount of time. It ends up being what eight hours or something or no more 12, than that. Yeah, yeah. Well, depending if they're two hours, but yeah. Um, but yeah. So what about did you did you approach this? Did we get in your head? How did you approach it? Well, this? it's different because, again, I've done a couple of 24-hour marathons. Uh, the Music Box Theater in Chicago used to do them. Still does. But I used to go to them. And once we started doing the podcast, I said, because I would go and I would stay for maybe half of it, you know, and then go home and sleep. I'd stay till maybe 2 a.m. Um, but then once we started doing the podcast, I thought, well, <laughs> it's only worth doing. If we're going to do a podcast on it, it's only worth doing if I stay the whole time. Hmm. So for several years, I would stay and do the full 24, not go to sleep, just make sure that I stayed awake through all of the movies. And then once I 
didn't really want to do that anymore. I started just doing it at home and I would pick a weekend where I would do 24 hours and stay awake the whole time, but wow. I would do it at home. We're Erica, my wife and I are planning to do one this year, actually. Oh, we're gonna 24 do hours? Yeah, we're going to do 24 Damn. hours. And do you do, uh, will you do any podcasting in between or you just record? Maybe, I don't know. One year we did a video, a friend of mine and I did a 24 hour one and we did a video where every few movies we got together and talked about where we were at and the joke was just he became more and more like some character out of the road warrior by the end of the movie he was just <laughs> wearing chaps <laughs> right exactly <laughs> right exactly now did any of the films that you watched at any of those all-nighters appear on your list yes okay one Ooh, of them i like that's it good. that's good I like it. but they had specific not rules but like 2 a.m was often reserved for a fulci film or just oh, yeah. something that you feel like you are hallucinating this movie yeah. and, and a lot of people would choose to go to sleep and honestly that was some of my first exposure to fulci and I was resistant to it because that's just not the way to see it really. Um, and so for years I just kind of shrugged and was like, I don't get Italian horror. And obviously I've come very much the other direction you on it a now. podcast on that. I remember you grappling with Italian horror and you, how you felt now about it right. a long time ago. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, but yeah, no, I think, and I think sometimes my favorite filmmakers, uh, you're resistant initially. Not, not all. Like some filmmakers, you're just straight away, you're in love. But like for me, Cronenberg, some of his stuff, I felt that way about Crash. Certain movies I watched have been like kind of repelled. Naked Lunch mm -hmm. were pushed away first before then going, eh, maybe I want to know a little right. more about what right. you're trying to do there. And Fulci kind of makes sense like that because he like has that weird line of almost amateur at one moment and then holy cow, how do you pull that off? And then we were just talking about like the the movie from this year, which well, when we do our uh, you know favorite discs of the year, you know, for me, the psychic is going to be really high on there because I think it's it's a, it shows a lot of craft. It shows mm -hmm. like he could almost like not quite Mario Bava craft, but like it's very Hitchcockian. It's a very smart movie, you know, um, with a great kind of uh, gag, a MacGuffin kind of uh, right. gag to it. So uh, yeah, no, yeah, horror movies and and where to play them. It'll, it'll be interesting. Yeah, I I don't know if I had a conscious. I don't think I had a conscious thing. But I think I just go movie by movie. If there's there's usually like one or I don't know about you guys, but there's usually one or two that you go. Oh, no, I'm definitely playing this. And once that becomes your anchor you can then maybe program or bit around that. I had one that I really wanted because I want to see it on a screen in that context. So I put that in there and then I kind of built some around it, but it's not thematic. <laughs> you know, I'm, I didn't build some th grand theme that I was aware of. I did at least one double feature sort of within yeah. my, f my six okay. and it just sort of arrived. It was suddenly like I had two movies where I was like, Oh, if these went back to back, that'd be kind of cool. You know, cool. and there's also the sense of, not wanting to repeat because you're like, well, I should have some variety. I got six slots, you know, but then it it just worked out. But yeah, I just thought that would, that was just came out of nowhere. I had a harder time doing just six than I would if you guys had told me to do a full 24. Because mm. I feel like the six have to count in a way that yeah. a 24 hours doesn't have to. Yeah. You have a little more wiggle room and a little more room to kind of go up and down and whereas with, with this, I was like really locked into, mm. oh, every single one has to be kind of a home run hmm. um so i struggled with that a little bit i didn't have, I any have definitely failed because <laughs> <laughs> i have some uh maybe oh i one, for sure have one two. Don't worry. yeah Don't no worry. oh believe me wait till you hear mine 
But I had a, I initially had a theme. I was like, oh, I'll do uh, an all-nighter of movies, you know, with set in movie theaters or with scenes in movie theaters. And then I went back and listened to your horror triple features, and you do exactly you do a triple feature that's movies and movie theaters. So I had to throw that out and start again. Okay. Way to go, well, Elric. Okay. Sorry about that. No, it's all right. Listen, I lost a lot of sleep. But you would have had to have picked at least one or two of his movies because he picked some of the best ones. For, uh, yeah, for no, I for yeah, sure did. Yeah, I don't want to throw out titles. Uh, if anyone's wanna... trailers for some reason like pick some of these movies, just play Poker Face. Let's keep it so as we don't give away. We'll let. I, we're I'm not going to go. I'm pretty sure that's going to so. happen. I'm pretty sure okay. that there'll be a trailer in here. Well, maybe. We're talking about a lot of movies, so I think yeah, we'll see. And if anyone has one, it's up to you guys. Like if somebody has one that's also in your list but in a different place, what do you think? Just hold it to yourself, or would you? I think you can say that it's on your list, and we can talk about it late, Whereas later. Not as I'll bet more. it doesn't happen. Okay. Yeah. I, I have a I'm going to bet we don't have any. No crossovers. Okay. Maybe on the trailers, but in terms of the movies we pick, I bet there's no crossovers. That's pretty impressive. I, I bet you're right. Me and Brian pretty much have almost had none, except recently the big angel face moment. Yep. Am I making that to be a bigger moment than it really was? No, it was, listen, as a listener, it was a big moment. <laughs> your heart skipped a little bit. <laughs> it, was, it was like Bobby Ewing turning around in the shower. <laughs> Uh, I bet it made you want to watch that movie. That's a reference for four people, <laughs> none of whom are old enough to remember <laughs> the yeah the big Dallas twist. Yeah, the, the, the Dallas twist. That's why you guys brought me on oh, for the Dallas yeah. references. Uh, that's that's why we're called pure cinema. <laughs> yes. So you could reference television. Yes. Um, but yeah, we haven't had many. So if you haven't watched uh, Angel Face, you're missing out. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, well, let's rock and roll. Yeah. How do you want to start? We got to start with a guest, obviously. Oh, for crying out loud. That's how we do it. So, like I said, the fact that this is an all-nighter versus a 24-hour. So, 24 hours. If we're starting at 10 a.m. or starting at noon. Oh, yeah. What time did you? Like, I wrote, I started I at 7. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. That's that's birth. what I was going on. And I think starting at 7 is very, very different than starting at noon. If we're starting at oh, noon, yeah. I'll show a silent movie. I'll mm-hmm. show a classic at noon as right. a kind of a warm-up. If you're starting at 7, you cannot do that. I think you got to start with energy with energy and a mm-hmm. guaranteed crowd pleaser. So this was my one guaranteed crowd pleaser. It's true. It might, you're setting the tone of the whole night. It might be right. one of the most important of the night in some ways. Yeah. Uh, though, though I do think a crowd at a at a thing will watch almost anything first. But I think you're right, setting the tone well. Um, so we're gonna watch trailers for the stuff Ooh. and a Nightmare on Elm Street three. Okay. Okay. So hold on. Let's just think about that. We because oh, I'm sitting in your audience. I'm gonna. Yeah. Watching the stuff and Nightmare Three. Yeah. Okay. I got nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> Chuck Russell's The Blob. Oh, it's there the we first go. movie. Nice. Yeah, that is a that is a home run. Open. Home run. If it had a mind, you could reason with it. If it had a body, you could shoot it. If it had a heart, you could kill it. Now, man is no longer the supreme being on this planet. The organism is growing at a geometric rate. By all accounts, it's at least a thousand times its original mass. Nobody believes me about what happened tonight. What did happen? You were there, you saw. Plasmic life form that hunts its prey. Predator. I want that organism alive. I think you ticked it off. 
is a great like, opener. Especially because I think a lot of people who haven't revisited but saw it when they're young think it is a certain thing, and it's actually one of the films that most improves through the through having time. One hundred percent. The effects it's, are you know top ten. Yeah. I'm kind of pissed we left it off our remakes list on um, yeah on uh, yeah like I screen agree. drafts. I agree. I think you know it's one of the greatest. Yeah. I mean, it's Kevin Dillon's hair <laughs> is also that's great. the like, thing that kind of dates only it. Thing. Yeah. No, it's great. Yeah. And his bike jump. Is bike jump dates it? <laughs> bike you jumping now. You do have that t- the terrible Me Too um, the grope that tries to happen in there where you just yeah, like, but oh. look what happens. No, I know, I know. That That's yeah. why it's such a great scene. Yeah. but it's very it's a very eighties moment which I love. No, that movie's pure always dark. reminds me of uh, Creepshow Two, also, which is uh, copying a feel that ends in slime. Yeah, right. It's kind of gnarly. Right. Yes. Um, I think the Scream Factory disc is going to help people Holy rediscover shit. that movie. Anybody that hasn't seen the list of extras on that disc is yeah. Wow. Wait, this was Twilight Time before, right? It was. It was Twilight Time. And they brought over the commentary, but holy smokes, did they add a lot of extra stuff. Oh, okay. Tons. Tons. Yeah. But I, okay, no, so the stuff is perfect. Yeah, the goopiness. Right. And then Chuck Russell, right. Outside of the thing, Carpenter's the thing, the blob has my favorite practical effects of any movie ever. I might pretty much agree. I mean, yeah, even after you hear with Tony Gardner talk about. In fact, especially after you hear Tony Gardner talk about the cloth <laughs> yeah, right. and oh, shit, I'm yeah. still right. just like, I don't see it. Right. It's high definition. I still don't see this cloth he's talking about. It just looks so good. Yeah. It's amazing. I, I, nothing that he revealed when he came on Jogway, nothing he revealed made it any clearer to me. I was yep. like, what? And when we were at dinner talking about the Lloyd Kaufman book, he said every four pages you got to have a whammo. Talk about a movie that has just whammo after whammo. Oh, yeah. Amazing set piece after amazing set piece, cool new effect, creative new kill, you know. Um, And I even like the way that it, I have this whole thing about how it brings the 50s into the 80s by sort of inverting the Kevin Dillon character where it gives him the biker jacket and it makes him like this cool 50s guy, but then it also gives him like the stupid white shirt tucked into his pants and it makes him kind of the square and by the end of the movie, it gives Shawnee Smith a machine gun and makes her the badass. Like, I like the way that it kind of inverts some of those genre tropes as a way of bringing it into the 80s and, and acknowledging that it's not... The original is fun. I'm, I don't have a tremendous amount of love for the original Blob. Like, it's fun. I'll, I'll totally watch it when it's on. But it's not one of my favorite, you know, films of that decade. And I just cannot... I can't speak highly enough of the remake, and I just feel like that's a movie that would play like gangbusters when everybody's excited about watching horror movies all night. Everybody's looking to be energized right off the bat. I feel like that's a movie that's going to do it. Yeah, no, it's it's a total home run, and a movie I haven't seen in a cinema, I don't think. I don't think I have either. No. plays really well, I have. Yeah, I think Chuck Russell was at a screening that Ryan Turk hosted here when his okay. family was still around, and I think I heard it played gangbusters. Yeah. Uh, great lead-off uh, run there, man, and not on my list, so that's good. Okay, good. Um, all right, jump into it. Uh, first trailer I'm going to play is Black Sunday, and then the second trailer I'm going to show is The Lords of Salem by Rob Zombie. Okay, we're talking and witch movies now. Witch movie. Witchy revenge movies. They're both witch revenge films. Witchy revenge. Okay. Witchy revenge. Right. And I am leading off. I feel very similar to you that I feel like the first one had to be a crowd pleaser. And this is a movie that I saw on a VHS a couple years ago. Talked about it no, back on Killer POV and thought it was okay. I was like, yeah, it's okay. And then just a few weeks ago, watched the Scream Factory blue of it. And it's probably my favorite, next to Psychic, probably my favorite release of this year. And that is Superstition. Oh. Two kids were killed out. One kid was gutted and slashed to death. 
via the microwave. There was a warning. There are many houses on this foundation. All of them and their tenants come to bad ends. And only one man listened. Well, when did this violence begin? There was a legend. We want justice! Too late, has it already started? There is a superstition, and will anyone survive? Uh, this is directed by James Robertson, who I don't know, from 82. Had the, the old title, if you look at the trailers, is actually The Witch. Nice. Uh, was the title. Um, it, the writer of, remember that movie, The Evil? That crazy, it's like a crazy haunted house thing, and downstairs is like a godlike figure. It's a very strange movie. Um, and DP was the town's trip. Other than that, I don't know. This is one of those movies that uh, I was shocked how, like, how much this improved, seeing a good transfer of it. It basically plays out like a pretty typical slasher film in the first opening scene. There's a couple of people making out near your house, and then there's an like, awesome stock and slash scene. Um, so I would say it's like 50% slasher, but then you start realizing it's a story about a you know when it's the yeah you know, witch from ni- uh, 1692 who was you know murdered on this property and drowned in this. Uh, it's a house by a pond, and then. When you start seeing, the, again, it's the same reason I think this is a home run is the same reason the blob is, the effects in the movie are freaking amazing. And the thing that's doing the slashing, it's not like a typical slasher. It's like this demon hand or this demon looking thing. So it's not a typical witch. It's like, it's really like, it looks much more freaky. Um, and it's just got, it's got a really good cover if you look it up and the cover actually delivers. And I, I got to say, I was, uh, this is one I had a weird relationship to because the reason I rented the VHS was it's a family friend who was the lead actor in it who we don't know as an actor. He he hasn't acted in 30 years. We know of him as like a writer. He wrote um, uh, Young and the Restless for like 30 years. And he's the lead in this. So he's like the hero. So I'm watching this movie at the start thinking he's going to be a cameo. And he's like, you know, really good looking. It totally looks different. And he's the lead in this movie. And my brain was like, whoa, this is, it kind of threw me off the first time I uh, watched it. He's actually the son of one of the creators of Twilight Zone. But um, he's, you know, he's pretty good in it. Um, but the movie itself is really great, really creepy, has a really amazing, like, flashbacks to, like, the actual, you know, witches, uh, witch being killed. And basically it's this house that's been laying abandoned and this, uh, I think it's the new pastor and his family move into the house and he's got these like very attractive daughters and you know then it becomes a full-on like really kind of intense slasher scenario that just happens to be a witch demon thing uh, killing them in this house and uh it's a really nice surprise i've got to say it's like because usually even if you only see a vhs usually you know if you love a movie right i didn't know that from the vhs and i i gotta say i love this movie now and i think this one would be the perfect a perfect lead off for the same reason the blob but no one will have seen it <coughs> So it's kind of cool because they'll be like, oh, yeah, what is this? And then you're watching it. You think you're watching a slasher, and then it takes you to, like, another place. So I, I think if this plays anywhere, or if Scream Factory, you know, did an all-nighter saying, I think this would be a, a pretty goal. Did you catch this on the re-release yet? I have it, but I haven't watched it yet. So well, this is gonna, For this Halloween, trust me, this is well worth your time. I'm in. I watched it with a group of people, and I like they were all like, holy shit. None of them had seen it. And nice. I was like, yeah, I've seen this. It's okay. And by the end, I was like, shit. <laughs> How did I sleep on this thing that I'd already seen? Nice. So, yeah, I'm leading off with The Witch. Superstition. Slash superstition. Yes. Slash superstition. That would be... Uh, I feel like I'm more in the camp that I would rather be shown stuff I'd never seen before as opposed to 
So it, it makes sense. That a I little bit of balance. Blob, you know, a movie that everyone's seen. But yeah. uh, well, well I, I don't know if everyone would have seen. Like at a, the thing, other thing about all nighters is it's not always horror crowd. I think there's a lot of people who like pull that friend or that girlfriend or something who might not. So the Blob could be like their first time seeing right, it. Well. Yeah. Well, and you could be dealing with a younger audience. Just its 80s movie is right. ancient as far as some people yeah. are concerned. So, But for a movie like Superstition, that would be like such a great way to discover something like that in, yeah. that, in that setting. I love I, that. I do think I think having a little mix is nice. Right. You know? Well, and that's, that's what I tried to go for on my list is a mix of um, a few titles I feel like are underrepresented, underappreciated, right. and then a few that are more well-known okay. to kind of get a flow going, you know? I will right. definitely say I always crave seeing the one I don't know, like what you're saying. Right. But the times it's gone wrong it's usually those ones oh. like where you're sitting in the middle of thing and it's like i think it screams for a something is nice. that because it's a bad first way to see a movie no i think it's because the movie sometimes are oh right. that could be it too <laughs> i'm just saying like sometimes it's just a movie you're like oh cool i haven't seen this and you're just watching oh, i guess I but like so the only time i've ever seen let's scare jessica to death uh-huh. was as part of a 24-hour uh-huh. marathon and i remember not loving it because yeah. it's just a the pacing s- might be not great for an all 100 percent. and so i'm so excited to revisit it yes. because favorite. i know that it was like the marathon setting did a disservice to the movie it's also a tonal that particular film i think can is a bit of a tonal surprise because you definitely feel like oh i'm watching a thing about someone crazy or is it kind of a ghost story right. oh, is it's it a vampire, vampire yeah. right. film right. i don't i still to this day don't know if it's a vampire or a ghost story really but i could see why that like i just house of the devil if it was at four in the morning might not work right. the first time you see it and they're similar in that way so but i do i'm, I'm excited for you when that blu-ray finally comes out yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think you're it. gonna you're gonna find it. It's much more rewarding on that second watch. But speaking of which, uh, I I love your idea of kicking it off with some energy. I decided that my movie, which if I had to compare it, my opener is more in the Let's Scare Jessica to Death style, mm-hmm. and I wanted to have that in the front. Patience, because so, they still have right. patience. Yeah, right. they're still they're open. It's they're not tired yet. So I'm gonna kick things off with two trailers: one for House of the Devil, and nice. the other for uh, Slaughter Hotel from. That's um, the Italian filmmaker that made all those crime films. Um, DeLeo? Yeah, DeLeo. Fernando DeLeo. Um, so anyway. Uh, Show off. <laughs> Whatever. That's why you guys brought me. Exactly. this movie. Earning his money. <laughs> um, yeah, so those are my openers. And I want to kick off with Paul Bartel's Private Parts oh. from 1972. I saw that you watched this on Letterboxd. I I'm should a, have guessed Super it. cult. I'm a big yeah. fan. Welcome to Aunt Martha's King Edward Hotel. Hardly anyone ever checks in. Nobody ever checks out. What gave you the idea to come here? I don't know what you're looking for, but you won't find it here. Now, I'm letting you stay here on one condition, that you promise not to wander around the hotel alone. This is no place for a little girl. Sure, all right. Mrs. Quigley, this is my niece, Cheryl. She's staying with us for a while. Behind each door, there's a private terror. And at the heart of each terror are the private parts. Follow Cheryl as she leads you through the darkest corridors of your mind. Private parts. Aunt Martha, who lives in the room next to mine? Nobody. It's a storage room. Why do you ask? Well, I heard noises in there. Well, who have we here? big fan i believe joe dante is a fan as well i think he said that he thinks it's paul's best movie and i really would agree really it is 
Um, I mean, I love his other films. I think he's really an idiosyncratic filmmaker, made some really great stuff. And yeah. I actually work with uh, his editor, is a really good friend of mine, the guy that cut his films from Eating Raul, I think, on just about till the end. And he's a sweetheart. He worked with New World Pictures. He's got some amazing stories. We should actually have him on the show. His name's Alan Tumayan, uh, but he's awesome. Um, so anyway, Private Parts to me is like this weird, sleazy, atmospheric little story. It's got some psycho in it. It's it's kind of a slasher. It's like tiny bit of slasher, but more like a, an atmospheric, creepy hotel story. It's based on this like this young girl has moved out to I guess Venice. She's in Venice, California, I think, and she's with this girl she moved out with, and they have a falling out, and she basically runs away to go and live with her aunt who owns this hotel, which. I think was in Hollywood, but now I'm not actually sure where it is. It might actually be down by the beach. But the aunt invites her in, but immediately we get a weird vibe from the hotel and people start getting killed and the aunt has a son that's a little weird. Uh, I said that this movie is somewhere between like a dialed down but kinkier Barton Fink (laughs) with a little bit of son of taxi driver Mm. is how I would describe it because it's got like some of that gritty urban tone um but it's it's just really the atmosphere is really well done and the lead girl is like she reminds me a bit of like Christina Ricci Shelley Duvall I always thought yeah a little bit of Shelley Duvall Christina Ricci like Wednesday Adams Mm -hmm. you know but but Mm -hmm. very cute and has like this voice and this way about her that is I don't know it just works perfectly in a almost like a fairy tale context yeah. that I can't describe. But um, yeah, I'm a big fan of this one. It really needs a Blu-ray. I hope it gets one at some point, but it's definitely one that I would, it was one of the first ones I thought of when yeah. I thought of this list. I, I'm like, I want more people to see this movie because I really think it needs the attention. I know it It didn't have a great theatrical release. I had an interview at some point where Paul Bartel was talking about how the title fucked them over bad. Like a lot of people wouldn't even run. because yeah, it sounds like a sex movie. Yeah, they right? wouldn't run an right. ad for it. He couldn't get any press and, and some theaters wouldn't show you know, it. And what is the context of that? I don't recall that. I haven't seen this in 20 years, but what was the title? In uh, I mean... Is it a spoiler? Not exactly, but it's not It's not, not totally direct. I mean, it's, it's very... It's very metaphorical in yeah. a lot of ways. I mean, it is sexual and there's a kinkiness to yeah. it, but it's much more about private people than actual, yeah. you know, For genitalia. some reason, I always think of Hen and Lauder, even though it's not in that good... No, you, but the it feels like No, no, yeah, it's, it's yeah. like a Hen and Lauder type hotel. Yeah, like, you wouldn't be sure. surprised if, if Belial and... <laughs> well, the great thing about that, when you go back to Basket Case, you forget, like, how real the other people are. Like, yeah. that's what sells that movie, is that all the people living there feel like, like, crazy people, you know? Well, this is, like, a little more heightened. Like, yeah. they just, they like I said, Barton Fink is kind of the yeah. tone, like, there's some other weird people staying in this hotel and they give it some flavor. And anyway, uh, I think it's a great movie and one that uh, would be a good starter for something like this yeah, for me. I like that. I think I have it taped still from TCM Underground. Probably. They like ran it like a year yeah, ago. I think it's a double feature there. of Paul Bartel. Yeah. That's how I saw it for the oh, first nice. time. So did I've you, only seen it the did one you like time. It? I did. I liked okay. it a lot. Yeah. 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 It's it's good and it's available streaming if you want to check it out on Amazon or Vudu or whatever. It's not hard to find. Yeah, I think this is the kind of episode where we should definitely put all these lists together, and this could be a good letterbox for people if, yeah. who want to roll nice. these. Yeah. All right, so now we are 7 to 9. Now it is 9 o'clock-ish. All right, so Prime Awake. I'm going with my classic film now, my okay. black and white. Um, so we're going to watch trailers for The Tomb of Lygia. Did you memorize these? Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, and uh, Fulci's The Black Cat. Ooh. Cat movies. Uh, Poe movies. Night of a Thousand Cats. 
I wish. It, it turns into black and white. That'd still be pretty badass. <laughs> it's the Darabont cut where it's all in black and white. Yeah. It really makes it feel more like a Twilight Zone like episode, it. which is cool. That, uh, <laughs> the, way the studio just yeah. wouldn't let him yeah. do it in color. Anyway, it's... <laughs> I don't think uh, that guy made a film with his studio. <laughs> It's uh, The Black Cat from 1934. Awesome. Directed by Edgar Ulmer. Excellent choice. Did you ever hear of Satanism, the worship of the devil, of evil? I persecuted the great modern priest of that ancient cult. And tonight, dark of the moon, the rites of Lucifer are celebrated. And if I'm not mistaken, he intends you to play a part in that ritual. A very important part. Where is my wife, Karen, and my daughter? Karen? Well, what do you mean? Where is she? Open the door. <laughs> come, this way. Peter, where is he? Never mind him. But you will be dead soon if you don't come with me quickly. And Karen! Karen is dead. No! I mean, Karen, your daughter, Madame Pertzik. What do you mean? She's alive, here in this house. She's Persick's wife. Paul Lugosi and Boris Karloff, I believe their first collaboration. I think so. And uh, just, a, it's a pre-code movie. And I, every time, I've watched it probably four times just since Scream Factory put it out on that Universal Horror Collection Volume 1. Because it's only like an hour long, which is kind of nice, too. I love that about it. Yeah. Um, I can't believe how dark it is. How they get away with it. And how and they get away with and stuff. Just and, and probably my favorite Bela Lugosi performance. Mm. Because he's sort of... the You, you watch... I don't want to spoil things, but you watch so much of the movie thinking he's a villain because he's Bela Lugosi, but he's also this twisted hero in the movie. And Karloff is so dark... Um, I love the atmosphere. I love the use of, you know, shadows. And it's just, uh, and it's a universal horror movie that falls outside of their monster cycle. And so I feel like maybe it's a movie that not everybody has seen. It's definitely a movie not everybody's seen. Okay. Partially because I don't think it's been championed in box sets and things like that outside of this new one. Right. But that just came out this year. Right. You know. And um, I feel like maybe it's getting lost in a shuffle because then they put out another box set. So it's like, here's eight movies and this is one of them. Well, and there's like at least two or three movies called The Black Cat. So I think (laughs) movies get lost there, you know. Yeah. But it's, it's amazing. I love it. Yeah, I just love, it's, uh, again, very different from The Blob in that it's mostly psychological horror Mm. and more about atmosphere than, you know, big, cool scares or big practical monsters or anything like that um so i thought it was a different kind of horror and kind of a you know following the mixtape philosophy where you can start with like something that grabs you and then you can back off a little Mm -hmm. and have something a little slower a little quieter yeah that's like the cusack theory exactly fidelity right exactly (laughs) so that's that's good that was my operating principle so i went the black cat these are these are ones i want to now rewatch because that one like there's so many movies that you see when you're young especially like we had a channel that in new zealand that played I think it was the Sunday Night Horror Zone. It's only these kinds of movies. And that's definitely where I saw all these movies. But a lot of them do blend together right. in your mind, oh, especially sure. when you're young. Uh, but I did see that. I think maybe it was you or maybe it was one of those Val Luton podcasts that like brought this particular title I, up again. I talked about it on one of the Perry episodes. Okay. I think it was Cult Movies 3 maybe. Yeah, so it's been on my – it's been my – but I think but I it's have been it been a while. Right? It's just come back out. So I think I have yeah. this box set. Yeah, this box – those Universal box sets are a lot of fun. They've yeah. done three – I think they're on their third volume. Yeah. 
And you just saved an hour of people's lives. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting everybody out an hour sooner because yeah, yeah. we're watching a really short movie. That's Except good. you're ending with that three-hour Tarkovsky film. <laughs> They're gonna like it. Gonna like Andre Rublev like, is a closer. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, all right, uh, movie number two over here, nine o'clock. I'm showing trailers to uh, Happy Birthday to Me and My Soul to Take. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because I'm hoping that Brian Collins is in the audience going, my soul today. Um, <laughs> wow. I'm stunned. This will this. Kind of, if, if you've seen this movie, the, those two actually do make this movie almost. Um, they're kind of teasers. But uh, this is, you know, I like I like to throw in a lesser known film that some people know. Some, I'm going to then let it go to dark after my soul to take. And then I'm going to play a song in the darkness. What? And it's going to be Melissa, dun, 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 Melissa, which is the very cheesy but very kind of addicted love theme of the movie Sweet 16. It's like multiple stab wounds in the back, the arms and the chest. Somebody really did a number on it. Yeah, some new girl. She said her name was Melissa. Listen, you know, Johnny was killed. What? Now, you were with that boy, Johnny, last night, weren't you? Jesus Christ, yes. We went for a drive and he took me right home. She got back around midnight, Sheriff. I saw the boy with her and I told him to go home. Dad, what are you doing out here? My daughter is 15 years old. I'll be 16 next week. I'm not saying for sure, but it looked like the work of some kind of psychotic. That's Melissa. She was the last person to see Johnny alive. She's beautiful. I'll be there. See you tonight. You know, this isn't the best part of town for a little girl, so why don't you just go home? Tommy! Uh, which has the main girl's name is Melissa and they actually have their own theme for her and it really works. This is a movie that doesn't completely work, but like, I think this is the one that would be like the, oh, like I'll watch any slasher film. Like literally, if I haven't seen it. This was a um, Code Red disc I watched a few years ago and then just watched it again a couple nights ago and because I, I was on the fence. This, of all the picks, this is the one I was most on the fence about till the end. But then watching it again, I was like, you know what? This movie in, right now is really interesting. Like this like this is like definitely a, a very much a Me Too movie. It's, uh, I, I'm not going to give away the twist, which is a big part of it, but it's basically there's this really attractive girl from what you know when you first start watching this movie. You just see this beautiful girl showering <laughs> half naked, so it already feels really pervy. Um, and then you see that same girl go out to a night uh, out to a bar in the small town. I think it's set in Texas, but it's filmed in California. <laughs> she goes to a bar. She sees this really, really attractive, like buff uh, Native American guy who she hits on. And um, he like basically says, you know, you should go home. Like you shouldn't be out here. Come on, get out. But of course, you know, later he's going to be looked at as like creeping on her. She goes into a bar. You kind of follow her. She ends up picking up some like town ruffian, uh, they go out to, to an, in, of course, Indian burial ground. They park on, and she gets this creepy vibe, and you kind of get some POV shots coming from the darkness watching them. Uh, so it kind of feels like it's a ghost or something or some sort of slasher. And then uh, she leaves, and that guy, she get, she gets taken home, and then that guy is brutally murdered by a, in a slasher, in a traditional slasher scene. This is from 1983, so it's, you know, um, don't know anything about the director, Jim Sotis. Uh, what's fun about it is it gives you, it hints at, this movie hints that it could be any number of, it, like, it could be werewolf movie. It hints at, oh, it's Indian Berry Ground. It's a it's evil spirit. It could be a, a crazy evil twin, or it could just be a psychotic girl 
you know, enacting these kind of uh, revenge fantasies. You don't know. But basically then through the rest of the movie, every and the, and the girl who plays, uh, her name's Alicia Shirley, is her first woman. She's really, you know, gorgeous. And you can she kind of sells what the movie's doing. But the twist being the next day you find out she's 15. And it's crazy how that makes you feel because you've just watched a girl naked in a shower in the opening scene and then go out and seduce a guy with a very sexual scene and then he dies and the next day somebody's like, oh, I'm 15, but I'm turning 16 next week and your brain just goes, oh, shit. And so it's an interesting, it kind of positions you with the creeps. It kind of makes you one of the creeps, which I think I'm giving it way too much credit for thinking this way because they just wanted to perv on a 15. I'm, I'm sure she was 20 when she made it. But um, it's interesting, but where the movie... If you're on the fence right now, PCP fans are about to, when you find out that the sheriff uh, is Bo Hopkins, where one of the annoying bad guys is Don Stroud, nice. and all-timer, all-time Elric Kane, biggest crush, Friday 13th Part 3, the Dana greatest Kimmel. sweater in the history of movies, <laughs> Dana Kimmel plays like... Nancy Drew, basically, uh, she's the daughter of Bo Hopkins, and she's like the nerdy girl who uh, is really critical of the pretty girl, and she like basically wants to solve all the crimes and is super smart. She's really cool. Uh, she does really well in it. But um, so it's got just this funny '70s cast. It feels more like a '70s cast of like uh, great actors, and um, then you also have the mom of the uh, pretty girl Susan Strasberg, who's all the, you know hugely uh, famous and related to the Strasberg uh, acting uh, family. So uh, it's it's just fascinating. So what starts to become clear is that any guy she falls for in any way or goes off with is then murdered the next day. So she's never really that much a suspect throughout because it's often positioning her that she couldn't have really been there, but it exists. And it's mostly filmed as traditional slasher scenes. I'd say that's, you know, one of the things that's maybe a little less effective. But I think it, it's a lot of it's daylight, which is interesting. So I, I kind of am always a little fascinated by daylight horror. And it it builds to pretty a pretty wicked climax, has a beautiful the poster images of a girl in a reflective night you know, lake and the reflection turns into a uh, dagger mm -hmm. or a blade. And that image is pretty much in the movie. There's a pretty great uh, night sequence, but it, it has, it has a, it has a pretty fun twist and mostly you'll mostly see it coming kind of thing, but it, it's, it, this is a good one to watch still when it's still pretty early and you're going to feel like you saw that new horror film that maybe you hadn't seen, but you'd been hearing about for years. Uh, I, th I think this is a fun inclusion in this. It's definitely not a masterpiece. Uh, and you can also get this one uh, from Code Red. Cool. Yeah, I have this, and I it's another one that I started at one point. It was another horror episode we were thinking about mm. doing. I think we were actually talking about doing like a slasher episode at one point. Or could, yeah, no, I think we, I think we might. And yeah. I pulled it out, and I watched part of it, and it didn't. It grabbed me, but didn't grab me enough in yeah. that way that I needed it to at the beginning. The opening shot is of a nude woman. I was going to say the the shower. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, I've seen that before. I wanted something else, you know, from it. I don't know why, fair, but but fair. I but but I have it, and yeah. I want to rewatch it. Cause it's good. Based on it's your description, uh, I'm totally in. It's so. not like superstition to me. It's kind of like a like a B home run. This is more like no, this is solid and interesting, and mm -hmm. it's the kind of horror film where like if you had the rights to it and were remaking it, you could probably make this idea a home run. Like right. I think there's right. the bones of something that could be even more polished. But it has. I think you're going to like it because of some of the people. It. Well, yeah, and also I just feel like it's a way lesser scene slasher, and Definitely, people yeah. or fans would be into that. And so. I think it's one that a lot of people know the image. A lot of people know this video cover or the uh, the poster. It's a it's a great image. I don't think a lot of people have seen the film. Yeah, I think that's the camp I was in. Yeah. I'm like, I, I think I've seen this. I was watching it. No, I don't think I have actually. So and it looks really good too, right? Mm -hmm. It's very slick. Yeah, yeah. No, it is. And sp again, part of that could be it's a lot of it at daylight and right. So it just looks photograph. Also, their transfer looks great. So this cool. was very briefly going. 
to be a possibility for me. Ooh. So we did not double up, but we could have because I was definitely looking through my code red discs. Like I, what? Me too, a little bit. Crazy. I movie unintentionally could I show? did see that a lot of my films are like variations on slashers without being conscious. Like because superstition is really a witch film, but it's a slasher. Right. This is like right. not some things oh, going on. Cool. But it's a slasher, and I got a couple more. So I'm like, oh, that's totally unintentional. So. That's cool. Yeah. Um, well, Patrick and I are very much on the same page because uh, I am also going to slot my classic in in the number okay. two spot. And one of my trailers is The Black Cat. Oh, very nice. Oh, nice. And Does that count as a repeat? Nah. We're, no. we're, All right. It's not for trailers. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, and the other trailer I would play is I Walk With a Zombie. Ooh. This is the first part of a sort of a mad scientist double in the middle of my cool. thing here. And it is Island of Lost Souls from 1932. Morning, Captain. I want to thank you, Captain, for... Who are you? Uh, Mr. Parker, this is Captain Davies. Parker? Parker? Yeah, we picked him up day before yesterday. Why wasn't I told about it? We tried to wake you. Why didn't you? You had a slight list to port. What do you mean? You were drunk. Drunk, was I? Well, why wouldn't I be with a cargo like I got? Cargo is cargo. I know, but this boatload of filthy animals all the way from Bombassa. To where? To some island. Which island? You answer me that, Mr. Montgomery. You're well paid for it. Uh, an island without a name. An island not on the chart. Hey, you think I don't know whose island that is, don't you? Well, I do, Mr. Sawbones Montgomery. Easy, Captain. Well, it's Dr. Morrow's island. Dr. Morrow's Island, and it stinks all over the whole South Sea. This superstitious South Sea gossip. Dr. Moreau is a brilliant man and a great scientist. Great scientist, huh? Well, if you ask me, he's a black-handed, grave-robbing ghoul. That's what he is. <laughs> oh, what's the use? You're drunk. <laughs> yeah. All right, what did you say? Nothing. That's all right, sir. So, um, this one, I say, is... This is John Landis's favorite film is it I, I heard him on the leonard moulton show oh. a long time ago and it was i hadn't seen it at that point and he sold me so hard i mean it was, he was just like this is a perfect freaking yeah he loves it what do you think oh i love the film yeah 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 it's unbelievable yeah, yeah it's yeah. really really good it's i mean you were talking about universal things that fall outside the universal right. horror. Right. i feel like this is another one that's adjacent but not known in right. that way uh, but it's an incredible performance from Charles Lawton. The director of Night of the Hunter. Night of the Hunter director. And he's one of my favorite performances. He is, <laughs> he's really twisted in this movie. I mean, it's basically like, you know, dude ends up stuck on an island. Uh, there's some very odd looking people, in quotes. Uh, another Bela Lugosi performance yeah, that's yeah, very that's right, interesting. Yeah, yeah. And he's mostly covered in hair, so it's hard to know. But he does have like the, the line, the famous famous line in the film. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, the guy slowly becomes aware that maybe there's some, some genetic experimentation happening and it gets, it's, it's really pretty disturbing for, I think partially because it's pre-code and they can be a little more graphic. There's a Panther woman that's, you know, he's trying to get to mate with like this guy. I mean, it's just, it's bizarre. Luther, I've taught you many things. Yes. Mm -hmm. All that you know, I've taught you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm going to let you learn something for yourself. A man has come from the sea. I will take you to him, let you talk with him. Yes. I'm going to leave you alone with him. And you may talk with him about anything you please, about the world he comes from. But you must say nothing about me. 
Nothing about the law. Nothing about the house of pain. Do you understand me? Yeah. Then come along with me. I call it like kind of like Freaks meets King Kong, like the Skull Island parts, mm-hmm. and maybe Frankenstein. Like those are kind of in the mix mm-hmm. if you're looking for like what this is. But it predates Kong by a year, so I mean it's kind of oh, like really? interesting that yeah, it's it's that is kind of amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean obviously it feels pretty sophisticated. Oh yeah, it's very. Yeah. I, that's one thing I think I love about it. It's also sh- a shorty. It's only seventy minutes. Um, so I do like that, you know, the, both of us had the idea of a, sh- a shorter classic film. If, if, it, if it's something that people aren't going to be into, maybe they're not into classic films, at least it's not long, right. you know? But yeah, there's like dark sexual stuff, bestiality stuff, body horror stuff. Mm. Like there's course, some, yeah, there's funny. some stuff in there just with people screaming that I mm. find mm. really unsettling. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's just, it plays really well. There's a Criterion Blu-ray of this. And it's definitely one of my favorite Criterion Blu-rays. It's fantastic. I haven't actually dug into the extras. I've dug in a little bit. It's pretty cool. There's some pretty good stuff. Um, But yeah, this one, I was so excited when the Blu-ray came out because it was a VHS and then gone kind Mm. of thing. I think that's another part of the reason it never entered the lexicon in the same way is it just didn't have that availability. It was not brought up through the DVD and everything like that. And I think movies really get lost when that happens. Right. And they lose a generation of uh, media. They d- d- audience. Yeah, you I mean, lose you lose a generation audience. of people in that way, the way that media shifts. But then it's awesome when uh, any time a horror film of, you know, even something that's borderline horror is released by Criterion, it's great because I do think it helps. I don't know, it helps to answer that question that you were talking about at the start, which is like having to defend it. No, you don't need to defend it. Yeah, it's it, legitimized right? look, look at what, the, you know, they're including, you know, and not Living Dead's an obvious one. So I like it when it's these more fringe things or a video drum or something. Yeah. Right. It's I mean it's pretty surreal to think of something like video drum but with <laughs> criterion, you know. It's I like, love it. Yeah. I think I think that makes their brand that much more appealing and interesting mm-hmm. when they do that stuff. Actually yeah. one of the moments that most legitimized uh criterion for me was when they put out Armageddon, weirdly enough. And I mean it. Like <laughs> when they put out Armageddon, I was like, All right. Like yeah. like I did not see that coming. Right. I was like, All right. right, you know. They like that Peter Stomari Russian uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but that's a good pick. I, like, I definitely would. Be so yeah, player. Island of Lost Souls, my number two. That's a classic that I feel like even people who don't like classics or who would normally roll their eyes would be into that movie. I think that's a movie that plays for everybody. Yeah, there's something about that Lawton performance where he's like yeah. a rich guy with all the toys who's like almost a little kid, right? And fucking around with genetics, and it's just fucked up. Man. Plus, think of how he inspired Marlon Brando. <laughs> All those years later. <laughs> I think that was one of the, I, I think I've talked about it on our show or one show, but the first time in my, when I went to movies that I knew a movie wasn't right in my whole life was I own okay. Dr. Moreau. Yeah. yeah. Where I was watching it going, wait, why is he, like uh, the main first point, I think I was telling you because we both love Naked so much. It was, I was just watching it going, why is he the lead? Like I was genuinely confused yeah. when Val Kilmer is like the side character and this and is when Val Kilmer is huge. Supposed to leave. Right. Yeah. But it was meant to be the other way around and yeah. Val dictated. But, but like I knew as a young, what, I don't know, 14, 13, whatever it was, I was like, oh, why is this wrong? <laughs> like, there was just something off about the whole movie. Well, I don't think I said it, but this is a, a Dr. Moreau story. I don't know if I yeah. even mentioned that. Right. But yeah, it's one right. of the earlier Dr. Moreau oh, yeah, adaptations. I guess it's not in the title. In my brain, no, it's, it's in not. The title. Yeah. Right. I mean, I thought maybe it came up, but then I'm like, you know what? I should make that yeah. clear. This is actually that story. Well, I didn't It's based on why. the novel f- from H.G. Wells. And Yeah. Anyway, what's I, up next, Pat? I didn't explain why my soul to take was. <laughs> why is it? Uh, I think they're coming back on their birthday. This is all connected by yeah, birthday. Yeah, everybody was okay. born on the same and day. The revenge, the whole so I thing. used that to the Wow, but a specific to birthday that. horror. Yeah. Yeah. Should have done bloody birthday. I thought about that one, but they're all kids. I was like, this is all about like becoming a teenager. 
anyway, my soul to take. Yeah. Um, all right, my next two trailers. This is where things start to fall apart. By the oh, way, oh, this come is, on. it goes. This is going off the rails right now. Right, no, that's I like good. It. I like that's it. where it gets good. Um, it's getting late, and I feel like I have a little more room to play now because I've got them. Uh, nobody's leaving, so <laughs> lock the doors. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's only eight thirty because you're one hour moving. No, oh, that's right. No, I didn't think of that. Yeah. Um, so my next two trailers are Fade to Black. Okay. And Theater of Blood. Oh, I like it. I'm wondering if we might have, because I have a title somewhat in this phone. I'm okay. here. Well, I, it's probably not. Probably. Do, do you want to hear my alternate trailers? Oh, yeah. Alternate trailers? I like my them. alternate trailers for this okay. are Ghost Keeper and Black Christmas. <laughs> I love, you know what? I'm not even joking. At one point, I thought about Ghost Keeper on this <laughs> list. I don't even like Ghost Keeper. I, don't, I rewatched it yeah. just to program the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this movie is... I like the atmosphere. That's a code red one. Yeah, yeah, I like the atmosphere. It's like a, it's a movie that it takes forever to tell you it's a Wendigo movie. Oh my gosh! Well, I had no idea I was watching a Wendigo movie. Right, when, could have led with that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Theater of Blood and uh, Fade to Black, and the, uh, then I'm going to go into Curtains. Oh, lovely! From Fantastic. 1983. I, I, See, I, that was one that I'm I always thought. thinking about curtains for any list. So <laughs> you're um, you're my good friend. Behind every curtain, someone is waiting. Someone is watching. Someone is hiding. What waits behind the curtains is exciting, frightening, sensual, terrifying, and bizarre. Curtains reveal what you expect and what you don't. I thought that might be unpopular uh, because I know <gasps> Curtains is not a particularly well-loved movie. Oh, those well, people are crazy. That, I mean, I get it. I guess. Yeah, I think that it's the you know, it's the it's kind of two movies thing. Yeah. Okay. The, I don't even feel like part. that's that bad. No, no. It's I not just rewatched it again, and I was yeah. like, it doesn't feel as much like two movies no. as. Its reputation suggests. I only have one question. Does it have John Vernon in it? Uh, you know what it does? Oh, I'm funny. Fucking in. You should ask. If John Vernon's in it playing a theater director, he's I am directing fired. a movie? Mm. <laughs> yeah, but with a theater actress. Like right. Like a really well renowned. Uh, and so has six actresses come out to this remote, snowy Canadian house to audition Oy. for him. And uh, wouldn't you know, one by one, they start being killed off. Um, they find a weird doll on the street. <laughs> I love, again, I love snowy Canadian horror. I love just snowy horror in general. I love that atmosphere of like, we're stuck in this house. We can't go outside because it's too cold. I have an idea. Let's go ice skating. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which, of, of course, gives way oh, to sure. a great sequence, a great mask. Um, Imagine and, that in the middle of the night of an all-nighter. That moment will slay. Because none of these people have seen a lot yeah. of them. So the, and this was one where I thought, like, the later we get, the more I feel like, okay, people could theoretically fall asleep and wake up to see something completely fucked up and weird. That's and sometimes awesome. that's scarier yeah. because you have no context for it. You're just waking up and seeing something disturbing and you don't understand it. So that dictates some of my middle of the night choices, and that was like that. part of my rationale because curtains doesn't always make a ton of logical sense, but I don't feel like it needs to because it's getting late and you're tired, and you can just kind of give yourself over to it. Yes, I'm yeah. a, I'm a big fan of this movie. Me too. I know, and I feel like people that don't like it, maybe they're just not into the bonkers horror, which is too bad because I feel like bonkers horror is 
definitely one of my favorite things. Yes. Definitely. You know, if you can't appreciate it, then I'm like, oh, okay. And I love, um, and I don't remember her name, but she's also in Black Christmas. She's the girl in the attic in Black Christmas. Yes. I can't But I love her either. in this movie. Yeah. Is, is somebody from a Cronenberg movie in this? Is it? Samantha Egger. Eggers. Is, yeah, the, Samantha is the theater yeah. actress. The theater that, actress yeah. who's kind of losing her mind. Who her locks herself up in an insane asylum yeah. to go method for a part. Yeah, no, that's the part, <laughs> that's the part that the, the opening stuff is like the more theatrical stuff. And right. it's so interesting because right. it's actually treated very like, like a serious drama. Right. And then it, <laughs> then you have some just crazy <laughs> stuff like the doll stuff. Yeah, that's a great choice. I think I picked that um, on Chuckways for a when we did our VHS cover favorite. It's oh, like that's that a great VHS cover. Of that yeah. is like disturbing. Yeah, that's a great cover. The old face and the mouth. Anyway, yeah, uh, I love that pick, and I'm glad. Uh, yes, I'm very glad. That's that a Synapse Blu-ray, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, good disc. Um, okay, so my tra- so this is my uh, so you know this is my 11 p.m. slot. So movie number three, I went with my black and white film. I, I, I always, for whatever, think I think the 12 o'clock or around that region is good for these because you're still sharp enough. I have the original Jacques Tenier Cat People trailer, and literally, if you mix these two uh, together, it's literally this movie. That's why this is perfect. Uh, and the recent movie, the Polish film The Lure, uh, with which is a musical killer mermaid film. And he knows where this is headed. Uh, Curtis Harrington. Nighttime. Nighttime. Nighttime, with its boundless power, ties these two together in a love tainted by strange, sinister terror. The siren song of the sea. Pulsating like a bongo beat, calling, driving the sea people. You saw how she looked at me, how she spoke to me. She's one of them. She's one of the sea people and... Charlie, I'm so afraid. You're a stranger here, and I guess you don't know what everybody here knows. Ellen, dear. In the past two years, Morris had two boyfriends, and they're both dead now. Uh, which is a film that's always fascinated me. It's definitely horror light, like very horror light. It's it's got all the atmosphere of a. It's very close to the atmosphere of a Valudin, but done as it's from '61. It feels like a indie film, like it feels like a modern indie film. It it feels like a very early example. Like it's one of the more mature films from. It's technically a Corman film. Corman bought the script from Harrington. I'm not sure how much he produced. I, I read something saying twenty five thousand dollar budget. Uh, it's got a very young. Uh, it's you know probably best known as you know very young Dennis Hopper as the lead, and he's uh, he's just come out of. He kind of works for the. Uh, he's a sailor. I don't know what he's what that is. Marine yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Probably. He's, he's kind of low key. It's, yeah. He, and he just open scene is just him. And what I I love also like I love having lived in L.A. I love anything that really feels location specific. It's just any regional horror movies. Uh, that are really true to region. So many films that get shot in LA aren't about the region. It's just about, it could be Vancouver. It's about being neutral. This is about Venice. So when you were talking about Venice earlier, it was connecting with me because I, you know, it's like touch of evil Venice. I love it. Um, anyway, so just opening scene, he goes into a cool jazz bar and it's a cool jazz band playing. And there's this really beautiful woman played by uh, Lisa Lawson. And she's just checking out the jazz and he sits next to her and goes, Hey, do you mind if I sit here? And she's like, Oh, that's fine. And he starts talking. She's like, actually, I'd really like to listen to the jazz, which I love. <laughs> just kind of turns it down. And then he walks her home and, it's just like a you know slow little romance starts to form between them, and it's not till 
it's funny if you read the IMDb, you know, of this, it would say a man goes to a circus show and sees a mermaid uh, doing her mermaid act. It's like it literally doesn't happen to like, you know, minute 40 that she even says what she does, <laughs> you know, and this is a 75 minute movie. Um, and, but he finds out that she works in, uh, you know, kind of the sideshow where she's just like somebody you can pay a quarter to and look down into this watery tank and you see that she looks like a mermaid. Of course, you know, it's an act. So uh, and there's a great carnival barker guy who, who says he discovered her and stuff. And it's a very simple story, but it's like those movies, like my, some of my favorite movies, Messiah of Evil, those, and, you know, Carnival of Souls, but the, and, and all of the Val Luton films, the films that you could show a Val Luton film to someone and they just c- could totally not get it. There's some people who just will not get it. They won't find it effective. They won't even find it interesting. Uh, we recently showed Seventh Victim to a car class and they all were not interested at all. Oh, and, and you know how much I love that movie. Yeah. Uh, I feel like this has that potential. There's, it's cool though because there's a romance angle. Of course, we know as sophisticated audience watching this that, you know, probably she probably is actually a mermaid. The fun part about the movie is they kind of they kind of could lead you both ways for the whole movie. But um, the one real connection to the cat people were I'm pretty – and Harrington is like, you know, kind of a legendary, uh, in a sense, Hollywood outsider, you know, uh, in the way that maybe a Kenneth Anger, you know, at the books he wrote about Hollywood. Harrington made a lot of interesting movies, uh, Who Slew Auntie Rue and movies like some of those uh, the, those films that had actually, you know, bigger budgets. But uh, – and the towards the end, he kind of did some interesting post stuff. But uh, he's a really good craftsman, and I think this is a really original film. But what's – very much like cat people is there is a a woman a, a blonde woman who keeps appearing and uh the lisa lawson character believes that it's like they've come for her like her her species or whatever and they're gonna make her go out into the ocean and she'll disappear from you know uh humankind forever and become this mermaid so every time she pops up it reminds me of you know the how cat people is structured where you know she sees that one other woman who she thinks it's like starting the curse oh, that's, a, that's a good comparison I, I would bet they probably just modeled it after I, I, Harrington strikes he's such a sophisticated film lover that he probably has a huge thing for Luton but this is a really good film um, Nick Reffin is a, a big fan and his new site which is uh, by NWR has the an H like a beautiful new HD transfer of this that it's also a disc but uh, and some really good essays on it and it's you know it's definitely it, need, it would need to be early because it is kind of dreamy and it isn't really scary it's got a couple sequences that, you know, work as horror. But um, I think if you haven't seen this one and you like some of the other films referenced, I think you'll like it a lot. And I, and I think it's very different from the other films I'm putting in here. So I kind of liked, you know, breaking that mold. Oh, that's a good I choice. like it a lot. I think about this movie a lot, like I do with Val Luton. It's like, I'm always like, ah, oh, yeah, it's an interesting. I think somebody could make a great remake if they, you know, if you could hit those tones, right? But um, probably not Reffin. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I think that'd not. be a very different. Uh, I think so. That's a good choice. Night Tide. Um, okay, so on to part two of my mad scientist thing I'm working up here. My first trailer would be The Fly, 1986, and my second trailer would be The Resurrected from 1991. I'm Dan, glad that made it in here somehow. Yeah, Dan, Dan O'Bannon's movie. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting movie. Again, um, the effects are better than the movie in some ways. Yes, I won't disagree with that, really although I, I do think it's interesting and it has moments that really get me. Yeah, oh, I like it. Any uh, guesses? Um, so the resurrected and the fly. So uh, I see a lot of I see some romance in there. Okay. But, and transformations. Yeah. Um, okay. No worries. Uh, Patrick. I'll just say reanimator. Very close. Okay. Hold on. Let me just look at your letterbox. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm uh, I'm gonna go from beyond. Oh, oh okay. God, I was so close. You were very close. Oh yeah, you had the Lovecraft. Lovecraft, yeah. right? Yeah. Every journey begins in the mind. <laughs> 
lights of imagination. A vision of what might lie across the universe. Or within the deepest regions of the subconscious. Dr. Edward Pretorius is about to embark on such a journey. It's out of control. You've got to turn it off. Something's coming. of Reanimator from beyond. Yeah, this one, I think I've decided, and it's not revelatory, but that I do love Reanimator, but I like From Beyond better, and I think From Beyond might be my favorite Stuart Gordon film. I think it's like just an amazing horror film, just in terms of the what it's doing and the way that it uses practical effects and the fatalistic nature of it. It's almost like a noir horror film, because I mean... They're tonal opposites. Yeah, oh, totally. In fact, don't think that. in fact, Jeff Combs and Barbara Crampton kind of switch roles. Yes, right. He becomes more the victim, mm-hmm. and she becomes more the mad scientist, which yeah. is weird, you know. But it's interesting. But they're both great in it, and it's really great to see Jeff Combs get a chance to do something like this because I think it's I don't know. That's part of the heartbreaking power of the movie is seeing what happens to him, and not to give away too much, but. But anyway, I mean, it opens great because it opens with like this incredible scene of like this machine and him like freaking out and running out of the house and and getting thrown in an insane asylum basically, and then her uh, coming in to try and talk to him about it and and try to prove that he's not insane by going back to them. I just love that they go back to the machine to turn it on to see if it really does happen. What he's saying is happening, which is that basically they can stimulate the pineal gland of the human brain with this. Um, Oh, fuck. I forgot what the name of the machine is. It's like the resonator. Resonator, yes. It is the resonator. Um, And it can allow you to see into like another dimension, basically, and allows things in that dimension to interact with you physically. And And it also has a lot of sexual elements. Yes, and it it increases your sex drive and... as if you need that when Ken Foray's in the room. It's like everyone's <laughs> sex drive is, yeah, is rolling with yes. Ken Foray. Yeah, well, and that's the other thing that's nice about the movie. You have Barbara Crampton and uh, Jeff Combs, and they're great, but then you bring Ken Foray in, and it's like, oh, this is a really and, great trip. And yet none of them are the best in the movie. The mad scientist is the best. That <laughs> mad scientist? <laughs> he is like, insane. He's amazing. No, movie. he's really good. I mean, he's grotesque. And, yeah, know. no, it's super gross. And, and yeah, that's another thing about the movie. It is, it is repellent in terms of the actual, uh, you know, thing that he becomes, but... But yeah, boy, by the end, I'm just like, this is just a great fucking horror movie and one that I didn't see until, I don't know, maybe maybe it was when the Blu-ray came out. Maybe that was really? the first time I saw it. I remember seeing this cover for years and years with the stretching face and I was like, ah, it's a fucking another Hellraiser movie. <laughs> and I, I know you guys are into Hellraiser. I just never, I, I don't have a problem with them, but I've never been drawn to those films. So when I saw that, I was like, ah, it just looks like people getting tortured. Their faces getting ripped apart. It just felt like that. If so you watch I, part seven, you'll feel different. I'm sure I will. I'm <laughs> sure I will. But yeah, and so I had avoided it for years and then I saw it and I think initially I was just kind of, I, I liked it, but rewatching it, I was just like, this is one of the great horror films in the 1980s. And I, I know it's known because of Reanimator, but I feel like Reanimator gets all the credit and From Beyond is kind of just like the second class citizen in that equation. And that's just not right. 
because I just think it's so good at, at everything it's doing. And uh, like, it's on the level of, it devastates me on the same level that the fly does, mm. you know? I mean, I don't, I'm not quite as in with the characters as I'm in with Goldblum right. in that they, movie. They are so grounded in that one, but I know yeah. what you're saying. Look, yeah. I think it's on par, like, uh, with his pick of the blob for if you're, like, m- some will have seen it, some won't, but yeah. those who haven't, it's going to blow their minds. Yes. And the effects are so great. Yep. And you don't, I, I think it's what it is sometimes if you don't see the seams of the effects. Mm-hmm. Like, I, with that, it's like, how the hell do they pull off? And the goopiness of that film, the, the incredibleness of the, I think those films both play in a similar way. Yes. And that, I was thinking the same proud. thing when he brought that up. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of my from yeah. beyond in, yeah, in my list. So anyway, that's uh, my number three spot. It's also a movie, and I love this in a horror movie, and so few horror movies are really able to do this, but it's a movie that always has an ability to top itself so that by the time you get to the end, you're seeing things that you never imagined you would have seen even 40 minutes earlier. A lot of horror movies, even the ones that hit the ground running, they hit a certain pace and they can maintain that pace and we're amazed by it, but they don't necessarily top themselves because even The Blob, which I love, I wouldn't say tops itself, even though it gets bigger by the end. Yeah. I don't think you're seeing the most incredible stuff at the end of that movie, whereas in From Beyond, when we see what the scientist eventually becomes yeah. and just everything that happened. Well, and then the way that the sexual component comes in is like another oh, yeah. layer that you're just like, oh, whoa, okay. Uh, and to be fair, I mean, the blob doesn't have Barbara Crampton in leather. Yes. I mean, so, there's no, there's like no underestimating Barbara. that. Barbara Crampton is one of my all-time crushes. And, and yet, uh, weirdly enough, she hasn't aged since then. I find that a little she, disturbing. It has. It's the resonator. Yeah. Actually, yeah. she was exposed to the resonator. Exposure. Yeah, I, I am honored that um, I'm, I'm pretty sure she follows all of us on Twitter, but like, I, the fact that she follows me on Twitter is one of the most yeah, flattering she, things in the world to me. I'm she just, might be. It might be one of the most, most healthy relationships to A, social media, B, movie, the industry. I think uh, stepping away from an industry at at your peak like bef- instead of w- going desperate into a period where you're not being cast just disappearing raising a normal family living a normal life and then coming back 20 years later and now having a booming career acting in all this indie stuff and being so supportive it's so fascinating well, and being so into movies yeah, like you can no, just you read her twitter feed and you're like oh, it makes you feel coolest. good and it's like it's like oh man more people like that and you would understand yes. why oh, twitter yeah. should exist exactly. because twitter, actually twitter, people. i tweeted this like jokingly but i wasn't no kidding. you're right yeah. like I want Twitter to just be what would Barbara Crampton tweet? Mm. Yes. Like, if yeah. we could all just follow her lead, it would be a much better place. There's there's rarely a tweet that she puts out that doesn't make me smile. So, right. so anyway, I love uh, her. I think she's fantastic in this movie, and she really goes on a journey and and affects me. You know, right. both she and Combs affect me a lot. This I mean, is a much better role for her than um, Reanimator. But I, oh I, yeah, I, I, for me, Reanimator is like a near perfect. Like, I, and you know, no, it's me. a great I'm movie. I'm not a biggest Don't horror comedy guy. Yeah, but that movie, I like. Last time I had to give them the award at uh, Texas Frightmare this year, which was super fun because I've actually met Jeff a lot and it was super fun to do it. But um, watching it again, I hadn't seen Reanimator in a couple years, and I was just watching, going, "There's no fat on that movie. It just, it just like is lean." Well, and just goes, but but they are totally different. That's why I like. Well, yeah, and I would say that another thing that people might be put off by is they go into From Beyond expecting that comedy, and it's right. not really funny. Like right. the, no. it gets dark real quick no, and yeah. doesn't really come out of that darkness it goes deeper and deeper into the darkness and shows Stuart Gordon like might be I mean I still to this day think he's the only guy who really kind of gets love 100% that, you know I mean 100%. I'd love to see what Guillermo would have done too but. sure yeah no Guillermo could probably pull it off but but I think between Reanimator and this and a few others like he just has a sense of that that and that's part of what's so original about it is he is able to pull that off you yeah. know especially this one like like because Reanimator is funnier and Lovecraft is definitely not funny so right. this is actually going for that like oh like when I think of Lovecraft I go, what's unimaginable right 
right? What's unimaginable horror? This movie kind of hits on that. Yeah, mm-hmm. the resonator, the the things he's becoming by the end, uh, the you know this kind of mutation. Yeah, that's a, that's a good pick. Yeah, I, I would like to. See, I've never seen this. I've never seen it with a crowd either, I and I just think really it would just blow some, like you say, blow some minds. So um, approved. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's definitely a movie that would again recharge everybody. You know, at hopefully, that time of night. Hopefully, it wouldn't just For be sure. such a downer. They'd be like, oh. I'm hoping no, it would not be at all. Just the effects like the and the colors yeah. and just everything about it, I think, would recharge people for sure. Yeah, that's the hope. Um, so again, following the rules of those marathons that I used to attend, I decided that the one to two a.m. slot uh, needs to be given over to the Italians. Nice. So, ah, uh, because again, people may be falling asleep, and you want them sort of in that half awake, half dreaming state as they take in some sort of weird Italian horror. When do you, that's a, that's a good question. When do you get most tired at these kind of things? Because it's for me, it's probably wouldn't be that time. But even though I, I think you're probably right for people who don't step late. Like the five a.m. to me was always when I would like get not just tired but cold. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's mm-hmm. a sure. be, that's sure. a big thing that sets in as you start to just feel cold, yeah. and then the right movie can just snap you out of yeah. it and then you're good to go for the rest of the marathon once you get past that little hump of like one movie where you're kind of fighting it mm-hmm. um get that second win yeah you're good for the rest of the marathon and a lot of times it just takes the right movie one year it was theater of blood mm-hmm. that they showed that like totally brought me back and was wow. like this movie's so entertaining right exactly yeah. it's just little bit little bit little bit you know it's it's kind of a repetitive structure but it was exactly what i needed at that time um so the, these are my most basic trailers my trailers are demons and Demons 2. Oh. I mean, I, there's no movie I would rather see in a movie theater than Demons. Okay. I've never seen it in a theater. I, I think that would be... I've seen Demons 2, but never Demons, would, theatrically. Yeah, just only because Demons, like, a lot of it takes place in movies. Right. Theaters, so. Yeah, I'd love to see uh, So you're Okay, so wait, so you're picking Demons 1 and Demons 2, and, yeah. that's, and they're hints? Oh, yeah, no, that's so obvious, I think. Uh... So Italian-like Demons. But Demons and Demons 2, to me, aren't that similar. Oh, Demons 3, The Ogre by uh, Lumberg. <laughs> Demons 3, The, the Church. Oh, The Church. Oh, the Church. Oh, the Church. Yes. Yes, it is The Church, okay. a.k.a. So Demons went. 3, um, by Michele Soavi. Last night, the angel of evil possessed me, and I became his servant. I want to do evil, to kill. It might, I mean, Cemetery Man is great, but The Church might be my favorite Soavi movie. And it never... Yeah, people don't talk about that. That one definitely has not. not got the reputation. And I don't even think it all the way works. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's stuff is less. Yeah. Familiar. That's like, the it interesting just, it thing. It keeps coming close. About some Italian horror that still I like, it doesn't quite do it. You know, I'm just like, yeah. oh, it doesn't quite work, but I still like it. You and know? the church, I, I would argue, never quite gets there. But I think it sustains a feeling of dread for an hour and 40 minutes. I don't think I've seen it. I have the Blu-ray. I don't think I've okay. watched it. I'm not 100%. I don't 100%. want to give anything away. No, go ahead. No, That's fine. Know, yeah. I, so don't. Well, I never knew. For one, I saw the church a long time ago. Uh, before this re-release, I never knew it was part. You know that it was originally just going to be part three of these. Yeah, I didn't know that. Didn't know that. Didn't really know Michelle Suave was like you know had been kind of like uh, ushered in by Argento. And right. How he, you know he was kind of an underling, and then I remember watching it. Go, oh wow, that's really interesting. But it wasn't until this re-release 
how good I think it is. Yeah. Like, it's it's more atmospheric than the other two. Yes. It's it's more of a dread movie. It's a kind of Lovecraftian vibe. Like yes. Vibes. Yeah, and like I said, I don't know that it ever quite gets there even when we get to the end and without spoiling anything. I don't know that the payoff is quite worth the setup, but I think the setup is so good. And every once in a while, you get to see something crazy. You know, there's enough crazy stuff throughout the movie that I think it's going to hold everyone's attention. But I just really love the f- the atmosphere in the movie and the sense of dread that it creates. Um, what is it? It's like a Knights of the Templar in the past. They somehow I can't remember how what they do, but they seal up something inside the correct church and build it. They build a church over it. Just an evil? Is it, we yeah, really yeah, know yeah, what it is. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we're and then it's trying it to escape, right? Exactly. Asia, young, young, young Asia Argento. She's in there. The daughter of somebody there, and she kind of wants to run away and right. rebel. And, right. But they actually do have ogre transformation type demons sequences in it. Which, um, like there's like, kind least of one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kind of. It's not like demons and demons no. two, where you're getting wall to wall, you know, kind of monsters and stuff like that. But I wanted to program an Italian movie that I don't think gets talked about as much as I would like to see it talked about. Um, I think it's kind of underrated, so I thought it would go good in this slot. That seems like a good choice to me, man. And he's a vision. I think he's a visionary director who, you know, it's kind of tragedy cut his directing. Right. I mean, I like all his movies. Yeah. I think they're fan- uh, the sect is really good afterwards. I just saw that for the first yeah, time when that Blu-ray came either, out. But right. it's got these sequences. Right. And then um, what's the first one with the stage fright? The owl, yeah, stage fright's really yeah. good. That's Symmetry unforgettable. That movie's unforgettable. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, he's again somebody. Look him up if you're unfamiliar with if you like Argento and people like that. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, he had a tragedy that took him out of the uh, industry for a long time. Um, all right, so my what what's all, we're in number th- four, and so we're at like one a.m. Uh, my trailers are uh, the Pete Walker film Frightmare, which I'm kind of lukewarm on, yeah, um, <laughs> and one already mentioned today, oh. Fade to Black. Oh, oh um, nice. We did double up on trailers. I Damn said it. Frightmare, which is Crazy Moms, and Fade to Black, which is movie theaters. And this is the one I'm most... Oh, well, then I know exactly what it you is. You will. Uh, and you definitely do this year. Because uh, this is a movie I was most excited to rewatch. Uh, I saw this, like, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago and kind of championed it to a lot of people at the time and then just couldn't really see it for a long time and finally found a, another copy um, and this is a really this of all the movies I can think of. This is the first thing I put on my list where I was like, okay, I want to see this movie with a crowd in a movie theater. I'm gonna have to be careful how I talk about it because uh, the entire film is basically a spoiler. Um, so I will really just give the, as as minimal a lead in as I can. But I think if this is gonna play at one o'clock, I want somebody to be watching it, thinking they're looking at one thing, and then blink for a second and be like, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, it is anguish. Directed by Big As Luna, is a pretty really successful Spanish director. Who does not make horror films. Makes tons of really successful uh, foreign films. This is from 1987 has Michael Lerner and for horror fans Zelda Rubinstein and as the uh, crazy uh, uh, you know oppressive mother character. Mrs. Pressman had high hopes for her son John. John is your best boy, isn't he, mother? Yes, John. You're my best boy and the best surgeon in town. But the world conspired against him. I told you to take these things out of my eyes. Don't get upset. I, I take them you. out. Do you hear me? Do you hear me? Do you hear me? Do you hear me? Oh, sorry. Until John found a way to please his mother. Well, you did a good job, John. Add to his collection. All the eyes of the city will be ours. And even get into the movies. One place. You have no idea what it's like to really suffer. Ah! Run, don't stop. No one is 
when you disobey mother? Anguish. I was going to do Psycho as one of the, you know, but it's too obvious. Um, it was actually offered to Betty Davis, which I did not know. I and she know couldn't that. do it for a scheduling reason. Um, so the basic setup uh, is it's a very controlling mother uh, who uses uh, hypnosis and uh, te- some telepathic skills to control her son, who's an optometrist and a mama's boy, and basically tells him, you know, we have to take everyone's eyeballs. And he's out there basically killing people and taking it. So there's lots of great eyeball trauma in the in the first part of this film. And it there's a there's a incredible sequence where he's actually in a cinema, uh, starting to create his carnage to uh, the patrons of this movie. Uh, within this, there is a disclaimer at the start of this movie. Which is, I always, like anytime you're watching a movie in a theater and it's dark and it's middle of the night and a disclaimer coming uh, comes on and it says like, uh, during this film you're about to see, you will be subject to subliminal messages and mild hypnosis. <laughs> this will cause you no physical harm or lasting effects. And it, and they actually have a lot of sequences where there are, you know, swirling uh, hypnosis uh, spirals. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a deadly serious movie. This isn't a movie, more or less, I mean, besides the fact that it's Michael Lerner and Zelda who have kind of comic timing, but it's a dead serious uh, horror film. Uh and then this movie takes you in a different direction that becomes somewhat self-referential to, to movie making. And that's all I'm going to say about it because it won't spoil it uh, if you just get that far in the setup. It is fantastic. It's like a really original uh, film that comes up with this idea and then just like executes it in the most simple way possible. But I don't think most people will have ever seen a movie quite like it. Uh, horror or otherwise um, but it also just delivers on gore and anything with movie theater trauma hypnotism <laughs> it's ticking like all my boxes and I, I, I had to go to the draft house to I find look for it. hypnotism <laughs> first and foremost in all my I do I like, I like a good mesmer um, <laughs> especially in the, at 2am in the morning but does uh, it have hypnotism you watched this uh, with and Ryan Turk watched this because I remember I remember Ryan coming on Showcase and he had never heard of it I was like oh I've been talking about that movie for years and I remember you guys I, I could have been there yes that night. bad and, movie night at my friend in Bill's house. Yeah, and what did he project it off? He's actually a listener to, oh, well, to yeah. Pure Cinema, by the way. Well, he's a great, great trailer editor. Yeah, he is one of the best trailer yeah. editors. I'm one of my favorite people. Yeah, he um he has like a really neat private theater in his house. It's amazing, and yeah. we did this bad movie night with it. And it's not that doesn't really do it justice because it's oh, yeah, no, I think it's very it's good. more mesmerizing to watch with yeah. a group of people. I mean, yeah. it's it was just it was a blast. It and was you so much did you know anything about it before you sat down? Oh yeah, I'd seen okay. it. Okay, okay, I'd yeah. seen it, but my. I don't think my wife had seen it, okay, yeah. so she. I got to watch her yeah. react to it. And it's it's a great movie to watch someone else see for the first time. Yes. If it's you've a movie it. about movies and about movies, and that's what makes it interesting. It's so. really unique, and I like it a lot. Yeah. So anyway, that's. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm. I would love to go deeper into this one because there's so much to talk about. But I love the idea that somebody might just go out and. See I haven't seen one. it. So oh, maybe that should okay. be one of your Halloween. Yeah. But don't read it about it. Yeah, okay, definitely I won't. do nothing. Um, if you can, don't look up a trailer. Don't look up anything. Just yeah. just. Didn't check a Blu-ray it. for this just come out? I was just looking that up online i think there's a german blu-ray oh okay. but maybe, maybe you know of an, maybe no. you know of another one that but, I don't the, think but so. there's decent dvd oh okay. i mean it's probably yeah. out of print okay. but it was still no i think it's one of those anchor bays that's strangely still in print for oh. like 10 bucks it's so weird like right on i watched it and it looked great it was okay. not a you wouldn't need the blue if, okay you know, until there is one yeah um but yeah no this is a great choice i love this movie and, and, and just there's some movies like like demons or fade to black or this there's some movies like oh, i'd love to see that in a movie theater yeah because it will be a different experience right you know? yeah of what it's about you know? oh absolutely no yeah. it'd be great to see in a theater it'd be oh i'd love to <laughs> um all right so um my number four uh went for one that i think is a little deeper cut mm-hmm. but Maybe people know this movie a lot better than I do. I know people know it because when it came out on Blu-ray, people were excited about it. But I had this Blu-ray sitting on my shelf for a long time, and I 
I hadn't watched it. I thought I'd seen it uh, because I think the title's a little generic. But anyway, my trailers are Phantasm and Mausoleum. Oh, Mausoleum's your trailer. Mausoleum's your I trailer. I thought Mausoleum was going to be your pick. Mausoleum so was me off. this close to being yeah, my bonkers pick, but I, but I actually talked about it on ju- uh, Just the Disc oh, okay. recently. It's so a fun I, bonkers movie. Oh, uh, absolutely. If you haven't seen Mausoleum. Oh, yeah, of course. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead finish. I'll guess one after you. No. I'm, I'm guessing One Dark Knight. And that's what I was That's close. That's oh, close. I was going to guess it too. It's very close. <laughs> uh, it's Mortuary from 1982. Oh, oh duh. I've never seen Mortuary. Okay. Paxton, right? Yes. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know yes. the cover well, like yes. with the hand shooting out of It's the very Evil room. Dead. You're wearing the Evil Dead yeah, shirt yeah, tonight, and it's very much ripping off okay. the Evil Dead. It's like a hand re- reaching out of a grave, of grave yeah. with a stone. Um, it's kind of bonkers. It's kind of nuts. Daddy! 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 Sleep doesn't bring peace to this girl. Is it a close encounter with death? The sleepwalking trance of the disturbed? The innocent made to feel guilty? Stalked by the unknown, nocturnal terror, death lurking in the dark. There's no way out when you're only moments away from mortuary, where nobody rests in peace. Starring Mary McDonough, Linda Day George, Christopher George. Have you decided yet? Or would you rather be cremated instead of buried? My father was murdered in that pool. I know it. You're probably glad he's dead because of... Uh, it's basically like... God, Wait, so is this on blue? Yeah. Ooh, it's I Scorpion. I think Scorpion put it out. Okay. Yeah. It may still be in print, but it not actually can't guarantee that. Right. Um, but so I watched it and it was, it just starts out great. It's got an opening scene of a dude lounging by a pool and then suddenly somebody's like sneaking up behind him and smacks him in the head with a bat and knocks him into the pool. And you're just like, what the fuck was that? (laughs) And then, uh, so the other things this movie has in the first 20 minutes, there's a weird seance in a warehouse. There's a roller rink scene, which is great. And there's a very nerdy Bill Paxton in one of his earliest roles. And he is really, really good in this. Would this be before or after Butcher Bank? Uh, um, it wings, might Butcher. be after. Because I want to say that's 82, but I may be misremembering that date. Uh-huh. But yeah, I thought I, I thought I had seen it, but I hadn't seen it. Uh, it also has Christopher George and Linda Day George. And so I like almost an Italian song. Kind of, yeah. I mean, it's it's like pieces adjacent or whatever yeah. you want to, you know. Um, but they're great in it too. And uh, yeah, it just gets. I don't want to get. I don't want to go too deep into the plot. I need to watch this. Like, but you I'm, really, I I'm I'm, I don't mean to build it up too much because there are definitely spots where I could see some people being like, "Oh, let's go already." But it just kept giving me what I needed to keep uh-huh. going through it. There would be a weird scene, you know, uh, that would come up here and there, and then there's like people in hoods, like black capes and hoods. Is it a worship, devil worship type thing? Maybe. Okay. I don't want to give away <laughs> oh, so what, what's so going on. it's easy to spoil this one? Well, no, I don't know if it's easy to spoil, but like you, the movie wants seems to be pushing one direction. Okay, you can't right. tell if it's really pushing that direction or not. And then, you know, it has a great ending and it has a really good, fun last shot. Um, but yeah, I don't want to go too deep into it, but I will say that, you know, Paxton's really good in it and it's got, there's maybe a little bit of like Scooby-Doo in here mm. too because like the main character drives a van and there's a lot of like, you know, driving around in the van, his van gets getting stolen things like that and it's like it's got the (laughs) this is a stupid thing just for me but it's got a guy who's 
from Midnight Madness, he plays one of the uh, the meat machine, the, the guy who plays Armpit. And that's just for Midnight Madness. <laughs> Might be fans. the deepest cut ever made. <laughs> no, I mean, just <laughs> for Midnight Madness. from Armpit from Midnight Madness. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so funny because I was watching, I'm like, is that fucking Armpit? Oh, shit, that's Armpit. Yeah. Only but, on PCT. But yeah, no, but, but it, it just, it has, it has like a nice slow build. And I don't want to say it's not slow burn because uh, it like has like fucked up shit and, mm. and things happen and, there were some unexpected deaths and things where I was like, oh, didn't see that coming. Okay, keep, let's keep going. Is the tone um, like the Mausoleum Bonkers fun, or is it less of a bonkers fun? It's a little more serious than Mausoleum, yeah. but definitely has some moments where you're like, what the fuck? And and then it just kind of plows right through those. And movies, I think, that do that, I tend to like, because yeah, they're just like, I'm not going to acknowledge that weird thing that just happened. Let's just yeah. move on. But there's no Marjorie Gortner in this, yeah. and he makes a big difference. And there's no psychic powers necessarily in this either. And those are two things that I love about Mausoleum that are just fucking amazing. Yeah, I mean, you could swap Mausoleum in this spot yeah. if you want. Yeah, if people haven't seen that. That's a great Blu-ray. That is the, that is the bonkers pick of yeah. October if you haven't seen it. Really, really good. But, but yeah, I was really kind of um, impressed with this one. This will be one of my discoveries list probably for the oh, end cool. of the year. And I, I, I know it's known, you know, because like I said, people were excited. But Again, it's the cover's definitely known. Yeah, but I just, I hadn't seen it, you know. And it's a cast of people outside of those two. I don't know a lot of the young cast and I kind of liked that, you know, they didn't have any associations right. with them. That can be bad or good, right, but right, right. in this case, it worked in its favor. So two of movie. the f- films we mentioned during that are two of my favorite uh, all-nighter discoveries. Uh, one was I did the first time I saw Pieces. Hadn't even heard of it. This was like way oh, back, and wow. it was in the middle of the night. And I have just That's my the, the opening movie. scene of that, yeah. where the kid's doing the puzzle, and then he's like hacking his mom. I remember just being like, "Holy!" <laughs> it wasn't even the holy fucking shit. That part was actually scary to me. I was like, and then the movie becomes much funnier. And crazy. Yeah, that one. But uh, put your baker out of bushes. <laughs> One of my favorite people jumping out of the bushes oh, movies ever. But the other one was George. Yeah, uh, yes, and Christopher Human George. Cigarette. Uh, but the other one was uh, Butcher Baker, Nightmare Maker. Man, when I saw that movie in the middle of the night, I was like blowing. I think it was Night Warning, not Butcher Baker back then. Mm-hmm. When I saw it, and that even the opening scene, which is like the descent, you know, the thing. I just there was like the tone of that movie was, yeah. and that again, when you discover there is something different about discovering a movie in a next to a bunch of other movies especially if the titles weren't revealed, because it's different than paying for a ticket to something that you've right. signed up for. Right. So right. there is a danger element we should, to that. So we're under the the new Bev model, which is people don't know they what do they're not know. They have right. not paid yeah. to, to see these movies. And they, the reason we know that is because the trailers, you wouldn't have the trailers yeah. as clues otherwise. Absolutely, so. which I think is probably the best way to do it. I mean, I know it's I harder so. to get people in the theater, but if you trust the programmer, you just... Go the Egyptian it. also does um, here, or the Arrow does all nighters, and uh, they they take clues and they do clues, but then eventually they do put out the lineup. And you know what the problem is? Um, I think the problem with the lineup is for people like us is if you've seen four of the six, something keeps you home. Yeah. But if you saw four of the six when you're in the theater, you would have actually been totally happy with right. that yeah. because it would feel exciting that you know that movie. Right. So, well, but there is something psychological. Different. I mean, how often do you go to a movie theater and go, okay, I have no idea what I'm seeing. Never. It doesn't exactly. happen. No, and it's such happen. a neat feeling yeah. to suddenly then have something you don't know and then to, or to have something you know. Yeah, like you surrendering said. Surrendering to something. Totally. Like, and yeah. and to get that surprise, it doesn't register. Like you say, when you're at home, you're like, oh, I've seen it. It wouldn't yeah. have been that cool. But in that moment, when you're that credits come up, you're like, oh, fuck yes. Maybe now more than ever that we're so in control of yes. what we view. Yes, I, don't I, agree. Know, I agree. How we are on Netflix for two hours. 100% and find not nothing to watch. <laughs> yes. um, so yeah, so I, I love this method. So I, I'm already, I think there's three things you guys mentioned that like, I need to watch Black Cat again. It's been years. I want to see Private Parts. I want to see this again. So it's kind of exciting to even just be here and go, oh, cool. Now I've got some of my October rewatch. Right. Oh, me too. And and I got, I got a few from you guys that I got to check out. Which is cool, the Church, so. definitely. And I, there was a couple other. I well, the that. Church was one of the big Code Red, right? Yeah. Because uh, remember did, when we talked to 
um, Bill. Bill. This was one of the ones that cost like he had made that big kind of purchase oh, of yeah. opera. And then this was part of it, and I remember him thinking, I think he was mostly kind of concerned that the church and maybe the sector, something wouldn't, it'd be tougher to make it back on the, yeah. which makes sense. But. He, the Scorpion ended up putting those out. Yeah. He didn't end up putting them out. Yeah. But the Scorpion's still him, really, right? It's well, no, it's, yeah, it's Walt. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, it's Walt. yeah but, but yeah, I mean, I think, I thought those seemed to do well. I mean, people seemed excited about those. I thought so, yeah. especially opera. Yeah, oh, oh yeah. yeah, that, yeah That's a great there. addition. But yeah, between the church and uh, superstition, I've got a couple I yeah, want to yeah. watch. So, yeah, all right, Patrick, what do you got for your five um, slots? What time are we now? Were you three? Uh, We're at number. Oh, no, oh, I just mean like, like at night. Oh shit! Yeah, I, I've oh, lost no, track. I'll, I'll know for uh, mine cause I, I guess time. it's three because then the last one is yes. like five to seven. Yeah, so right? you're probably okay. at about two twenty because you're because <laughs> you're one track. Because I showed the black cat. I'll show some extra trailers. Um, just <laughs> An to, extra 20 minutes of trailers. Just to be safe. I, you know, again, I was second-guessing myself a lot, so I thought, oh, what if the ch- I might lose people on the church, so I wanted to show something definitely bonkers, definitely something that has a whammo every couple of minutes or whatever uh, to keep invoking everything I learned about filmmaking I know from the Toxic <laughs> Event. Uh, um, so the trailers are society and attack the block. Ooh, okay. Oh, I like this. Um, hmm, I'm seeing some class warfare. Nope, it's way too smart. You over your head. <laughs> uh, uh, boy, uh, my initial gut was people under the stairs, but that's I don't think that's, that's it. A good guess. Yeah. No, it is uh, David Cronenberg's Shivers. Oh, nice. Uh, AKA they came from within. Very cool. Actually, one of my favorite of his films. Oh. If you think you're not afraid of the dark. If you think you have a strong stomach, if you feel nothing can shock you, if you say you don't scare easily, if you believe you've seen everything, then prepare yourself for a motion picture that takes you beyond fear, beyond your wildest nightmares, and brings you face to face with terror beyond the power of priest or science to exercise. What are they? Raging demons from another world? Bloodthirsty creatures that must be killed? Or incarnations of absolute evil? They possess men, women, and children, and drive them to acts of unbelievable horror. No one is safe from them. No power on earth can stop them. The only escape is death. If this picture doesn't make you scream and squirm, you'd better see a psychiatrist. Quick. Like, I don't know actually, if you've said enough, that. No, yeah, weirdly I'm enough, sure. I think it holds up better than the ideas in that are really creepy yeah for sure and um again if you're not familiar with the movie it's about a kind of a parasitic outbreak in an apartment building um that makes everybody super horny and just want to pass this virus along and once again from beyond in this yeah yeah lots of sex in those yeah but yeah, I just thought uh, there's always something kind of bonkers going on in this movie. And I think early Cronenberg is really interesting because there's something so crude about the way the films are made, but that's 
it makes them so much more effective. Their crudity becomes an asset and not a liability. Not that his movies I would ever describe as being slick, but certainly something even like The Fly is pretty slick. He definitely evolves as a film director. Yeah. But the ideas were sharp from frame one of that movie. And, and he knew what he was Shivers is yeah. just about putting the ideas in front of the camera and yeah. literalizing them in a way with, uh, you know, parasites coming out of people's mouths yeah. and um, people trying to kill each other and fuck each other, not necessarily in that order. I wrote something that I think I initially called Orgy of the Blood Parasites and then became the Parasite Murders, and then became Shivers, and in the U.S. it's called They Came From Within. It was basically an image that I had, uh, and I can't remember whether I actually dreamed it or read it somewhere, but it was two people lying in a bed at night, and the man wakes up, looks over to the woman, and sees her mouth open, and out of that mouth comes a spider, and walks out of her mouth. And that image was really the crystal around which the rest of the film Shivers formed. I couldn't actually do a spider because it's really hard to make those legs move, especially on a low budget. So it became a parasite. Between that and Rabbit, both before AIDS had an Oh, AIDS. yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. It was a long time before. Both are in the 70s. I mean, it's really pushing that yes. commentary. It's, he, he was so far ahead on so many things. Yeah, sure. uh, it's unbelievable. Um, I wish Shivers would get a North American Blu ray. There's, I think, an Umbrella one. Yeah, I was right? just trying. I was going to ask you, like, I don't. I there's an HD transfer on Hulu, which is how I rewatched. Oh, nice, it. good to know. Um, could but, it, what it could be a rights? Like, yeah, I don't know thing? what it is. There's no North American Blu-ray oh. of it. The Umbrella is probably all region because a lot of their stuff is, but yeah. I don't own it, so I can't say for sure. I might have to get that. Yeah, that's one I haven't seen in a long time. Yeah. I don't know if I've seen it since VHS. I have that they came from within VHS, and that's oh, wow. maybe the last way that I watched it. If a horror film sticks the ending, mm-hmm. you'll remember it for the rest of your life. Right. This right. is almost top 10 horror ending yep. in terms of a visual. Right. When you see a visual that you're like, oh, okay, this really gets some sort of terror. Well, it's not actually the very last frame, but it's like the ending, the right. climax. Right, right, right. There's a little you know, uh, ending after that, and it's so good. And the main guy, the dark-haired, curly guy, reminds me of David Hess or <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Canada's, Canada's David Hess. Uh, some of the body stuff going on with him is super creepy yes. and intense. That's the other thing. He, he throws intensity at things. Uh, and surrealism. There's some real funny, weird scenes. Mm-hmm. I see the society comparison with some of the characters who are a little more out there and kind of comic. And well, and weird. kind of the sexual body horror yeah, sure. component. Yeah, there's not as much of the class stuff in Shivers, I don't think. What was the as in those other two movies? They came from, from within. within. That's right. Yeah, and probably a million others like Sex Parasite or something. <laughs> better title. <laughs> yeah, it is better. Sex Parasite. But no, if you haven't seen this one, I agree. I think this is really top notch. Like the one that I'm a little cooler on that shocked me was Rabbit. Like when I rewatched Rabbit, I was so excited to get the blue and I was like, oh yeah. Like the ideas are good. There's some great scenes, but I didn't feel that one held up in the way Shivers holds up as this nightmare. Because he's. it seems like he's reworking Shivers, mm. but a little bit watered down. Maybe, yeah. But anyway, great choice. Thank you. I yeah, no, I like that. I was hoping that would come up on somebody's list just because I feel like it doesn't get mentioned even when people are hot on Cronenberg. All right, get ready because I have this, this is the only one of this night. I had a first time watch for me. So I think you're more trace. So this is always, and this is one I wanted to see for like 10 years and just, it's not available very easily. So I had to watch a pretty shitty YouTube. Um, but my two trailers are Monster Squad and Night of the Demons, both super fun, very different movies. Monsters, if you merge them together. Monsters and set on Halloween. And kids and young people. 
Huh. And then there's like a... Uh, Less the kids, but young people. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Okay. But and more then, like there's a lot of things and a lot of monsters and monsters. I know what right. it is. And I can't think of the title, but yeah. I can see the box. Okay. It's the Dracula with the fangs on the... I think you might be right. I, I can't remember. It's, it's not a Dracula, but I think... But I feel like I'm just... Right I'm, I think I'm just thinking of Monster Squad. No, I think you actually do know this cover, so I'm going to do it. So this is uh, Movie 5, 3 a.m. Uh, I have I had read a, like, five-page article, which I'd highly recommend after you watch. I'd read uh, about the fucked-up nature of the making of this movie uh, before I got to ever see the movie, and the movie is Spookies. What? What is it? Uh, I don't really know. Looks like Carol. The thing that took over Carol. But look here. This man in the picture. The ring on the hand is identical to the ring on that mummy downstairs. And the Ouija board. Yeah, but without the demon figures. This guy was an occultist or a ghost hunter or something, judging from all this stuff. It's not acid. Not any kind we know. <laughs> oh. Yes. The only one directed on here partially by a woman director. Uh, Ginny Joseph was the later director who came on. Uh, I'd never seen this movie. I'd seen this cover my whole life. I always thought it was going to be like the Boogans or something. Yeah. You know what? I don't know if I've seen it either. It's an amazing I cover. I think it is the cover you're talking about. Because there's a... It, I he's know not that a, there's... A, is it... Are the monsters little? Well, so this is what's fun about this. So, so I watched this on um, YouTube on a pretty watchable version surprisingly like it was enough to for me to find it deeply entertaining um and it's just i think it's still on vhs only but this is a good a, a cre- it's like got so many different creatures that talk about a whammo literally every five minutes you see a different kind of creature like, oh, oh i like, like that like, yeah right there's monsters there's weird creatures there's a giant a red-eyed devil looking thing holding a sheath all right i'm not sure if i use that word right <laughs> <I'm pretty laughs> sure. uh but there's some there's part of this that i was i haven't guffawed in a very long time at like <laughs> silly like four-year-old humor but I, there's this they fall into this basement at one point and there's these muck men these like giant things they come they start walking and they start farting every time they walk <laughs> and i actually started laughing out loud because it's the dumbest thing i've ever seen and yet they stick with it they just keep farting and you're going like what uh this is a very strange wow. movie so uh, a sorcerer tries to sacrifice a group of people in a house to pr- resurrect his dead wife who he loved who did not love him and the sorcerer character is like I, I don't know that, uh, that's this coming from IMDb somewhere I don't know if I would have called her a sorcerer he seems like some sort he, he looks like Dracula so they probably could have been the uh, maybe that's, okay. it's a face with blood and he's got a kind of screaming mouth um, but he's like this weird he feels like some weird ghoul and he is basically talking to camera at times so it kind of starts in a way that felt kind of goofy and then it becomes very quick oh there's a group of people they're gonna go have a house party they make the wrong turn they all come into this house oh this place is cool let's hang out and then hey we could do a there's a book of the dead let's do a Ouija hey let's Ouija <laughs> asking how old I get to live to be 24 I, I didn't do that really it went by itself this is not funny any longer I got a good one for you ask it when the hell we're going home and V-E-R. I knew I shouldn't have asked. 
I'm not doing this on purpose. Because Always a, a good idea. The characters Never are not pretty a good terrible. Idea. Like, there's some pretty dumb kind of types in there. Um, and then we keep cutting. It is the cover? Yeah. I mean, it's what I was no, thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, it's not Dracula. Yeah, he, but so he does look like I had Dracula. the movie wrong, but the picture but right. The picture is right. Um, and good job. then they start basically kind of, as they get split up, each character kind of goes up against their own different kind of monster kind of storyline. And it kind of opens with some like the kid. best movie ever made. Well, <laughs> I got to say, I have a feeling. <laughs> is it? Well, I, I have a feeling if be. this was on Blu-ray, this would be the greatest film. No. Uh, I think it would be the kind of movie that if um, a Code Red or something put out would be like a number one bestseller for them. Yeah. I think this has home run for this kind of market written all over it for, you know, because of the cover alone. Um, no, it starts with like there's a boy who's run away from home and he's walking through the forest. And I was like, oh, what's this movie going to be? And then you just see something that looks kind of like a werewolf boy following him. So I'm like, oh, wait, what? And then suddenly you have this weird Dracula looking guy. And then you have uh, the, the weird mummy thing with the sheet. It just has all these different monsters. The effect level are super, super high. So I have to assume that maybe it was a team who created this film who were effects people maybe because they're the effects are great. But um, when I watched it, uh, I got to say, I'd forgotten the article. I remembered the article had a troubled history. But for the life of me, I didn't realize it was like basically two different movies. Not quite two different movies. but So basically what happened is this movie was made, the film about the teenagers going to the young people going to the house, having a house party, and then being killed off. That part of the story was a movie that went to distribution and then somehow got shelved. And I don't know if it had, was finished. I don't know if they had the whole film. And it sat in some legal quagmire for a while. And then this, then Jeannie Joseph, she got hired as a director, came onto this project, and she shot the weird guy, the sorcerer guy, the story with the bringing back the resurrected uh, woman, and a lot more of the creature stuff. Uh, I've read online some people had more of an issue with that stuff and wish the other thing was the sole movie. But for the bonkers thing, you want it all. Yeah. And the yeah. last act, what's weird about the movie, none of this really spoils, the last act's more about the woman he's trying to resurrect, trying to get away from him and then you got crazy zombies I mean it really has a lot it reminded me of a few things um, one that I have a feeling you might still be going to mention but I'm not sure so I wanted to leave that off but Monster Squad things that just have lots of creatures and your your brain goes oh this is so cool and at Halloween this is the shit I want I mean honestly if there was a good version of this I think it could be an ideal like Halloween 3 type of goofy crazy Ooh. cool effects it's a good, wow. sale. Um, good sale so you know don't want to overhype it but I found it utterly fascinating and I now need to go back to that article to read about the production history because it definitely sounded like it was a big deal and it must be the reason why it's not out there there must be some sort of legal issue with it i remember there was a special edition vinyl soundtrack release for a oh. couple years ago and i was really? like all right maybe the movie's coming and then it didn't happen Just i was like the soundtrack that was kind of weird Interesting. That. what prompted you to watch it then um when i was in knoxville last year I'd always wanted to see it. Um, the William Mahaffey runs out be there this year. He had a VHS of it sitting on his thing, and I was like, oh, shit, I need to watch that movie. Maybe I'll watch it while I'm here, and I didn't. And then uh, the one thing I'll say about our show is like, and he definitely knows, I, I just almost every time want to watch something new. It doesn't have to be all new. That's part of why we do it. Yeah, and for this show, I was like, oh, that's hard because it's hard. And that was one I was like, fuck, if, if there's a copy out there I can watch that's decent, I'll watch And luckily there was. I wouldn't have watched it if it was total garbage. It was It was pretty good. Um, watchable for YouTube, like on a TV. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, this one, I, hopefully, uh, next time I see like David Gregory from Severin or one of those guys, I, I got to ask because they'll, they'll know. These people usually are pretty savvy to hunting this stuff. Yeah, I'm know. sure somebody knows yeah, why it's an a issue. Good reason. But man, it's such a cool movie and well spotted. You, you did, I do think you yeah, did. Yeah, you knew it. In my head, it was 
a movie about like the classic monsters, but smaller. There so when some, you said Monster Squad, I was like, oh, it's that movie with the guy on the cover. Well, Blood Species. Wait, wait, Blood Species. What's the um, what's the Charles Band? Um, but he did do one too. The vampire series that he did. That so oh, popular. subspecies. Subspecies has little people and has a Dracula looking figure. Yeah, that's figure. true. That is true. And that's a movie that's actually better than you think it's going to be. I Especially one. the second one. Oh, really? Is that the better? subspecies two? Is actually what's the, the subtitle of subspecies two? Blood. Bloodstone or something? Stone. Blood. Damn it. I'll look it up. Blood damn it. I'd watch Blood damn it. I'm ruining my brand right now by not knowing this off Uh, the top of my head. Bloodstone, I think, is right. Bloodstone, yes. Bloodstone, colon, subspecies, too, is one way that it's apparently identified. It's a much better movie than the first one. That's cool. That might be the one I'm thinking. One of them played a jump cut with um, the director of Terror Vision, which I also love. Ted Nicolau. He was there. It could have been that one, but it had a th- it had a scene. He directed all of them. Oh, okay. It had yeah. a scene where there was just a giant. Shadow. Wait, the guy who directed Terrorvision directed all the subspecies movies. Yeah, did not know that. That's that's two that you're describing. Name one movie that he did sound recording on. Texas Chainsaw, Texas baby. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's How crazy right. is that? I heard that recently. I, I know. It's one of those. I didn't find that out till much later, and I was like, whoa, nice. That's so cool. Anyway, I like that. Um, cool. All right. Um, so this is my most obvious movie. Uh, my trailers are Madman. And just before dawn, I know. So I'll tell you this much: it's hard to not put just before dawn on my list again. I know. I and think it's the perfect I, five a.m. movie. I, I almost yeah. did it myself, but yeah. I knew that you a might, but b had already used it in the it. triples. It's perfect. Okay, so just before dawn and Madman. So we got uh, both our Definitely slashers in the right, woods. Big slasher, big big guys slashing. Is it a Friday the Thirteenth? Could be. Oh, I know which one then, because I know which one you watch. Yeah, I know you uh, do. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's the best of the slasher movies that are Friday 13th, I'd say. What What are the other is ones that, that aren't slasher movies? Is that two? No, uh, yeah, I think two's the best slasher movie. Yeah, like, if you forget, they're all slasher movies, and some are better Jason films. But right, right. Oh, Number two is the best slasher yes, movie. It's it an is, atmospheric movie. It is Friday 13th, part two. On a June night in 1980, Friday the 13th, 12 of her friends were murdered. Why should Friday the 13th, 1981, be any different? Friday the 13th, part two. The body count continues. 14. All doomed. You're all doomed. 15. Sixteen. Help! Seventeen. Eighteen. Nineteen. Twenty. I love this movie. For so many reasons, but this is the movie that I saw as a kid on the TV, oh, and yeah. it was when I think back on it now, and I'm probably misremembering it. It felt like they it was one of those movies. I feel like there was a time in the '80s or early '90s where they were showing horror films on TV on Fox, and they would have these big warnings that when they would come back from commercial and be like, you know, viewer discretion advised. But it was longer than that, and that was their way of saying like, hey, this is gonna fuck your kid up. <laughs> Just so you know, 
okay, it's on you. Um, and so every time it came back from commercial, we saw that thing. And yeah, I just remember like all the scenes that it showed. And I remember the ending I caught. And the ending is one of my favorite endings of all those movies. Amy Steele is one of my favorite. I mean, you guys are in my office. I have my signed uh, yeah. Australian. I think it's an Australian kind of like a daybill poster. Uh, and she signed it, uh, there's someone in the room or something, which I'm sure is one of her go-tos. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I love Amy Steele in it. I love that I don't, I was trying to decide if I wanted to do something like snip the front of it off, you know, like the whole, but I kind of don't mind. You, where they find the head in the, yeah. You know, I was just thinking about that because I, that's the part I remember being young. This is the first of them I must've seen in that part. That scared me because no, it was, it's good. But how did it get there? Dude. Oh, you gotta, what you need to listen to is, um, the, in, in Voorhees, we trust uh-huh. with uh with Gorley and rust uh th- that used to be behind a paywall but now uh-huh. the entire series is available you can listen to it and i went and listened to their i mean it's really great like they're huge yeah. fans and they go in depth and they're not like it's not like how did this get made where i feel like they're just trying to dis- destroy a movie but they are kind of going like okay so wait a minute so logic stuff yeah, yeah so jason walked from the camp yeah, yeah, yeah. Into the look, city. And then they were asking, like, they had good questions, like, yeah. did was he wearing the hood or was he not wearing yeah. the hood? Is he just walking around with his gross face? Yeah. And and so, yeah, he somehow walks to the city, finds her, calls her on the phone, <laughs> <laughs> goes into her apartment, somehow puts the head in the fridge, and, you know, all this stuff happens, and you're kind of like, I don't want to be that guy. I'm not going to be the I guy. I think he's a dream master. He does it in the dreams. Uh, something. <laughs> Maybe the whole opening is a dream. You know, who knows what it is. Don't but, worry. I've, I've gone pretty deep on part three during the rapey flashback. Uh, oh, yeah. What part happened between them who knows yeah part three has got a lot to examine and i don't i'm again i'm not that guy but there was a part of me that when i sat down to watch part two i'm like okay i'm gonna do something where i just lop that front half off and then we just start with Mm. the credits but then i was like you know what i kind of like the summary i kind of like that it can be its own self-contained experience with that open it gives you the enough history i mean you could watch it without that but i mean it's obviously and it's obviously padding because you watch the movies like I mean, just barely 90 minutes, I think. You know, it's like... I mean, I I know that there was obviously some gore excise that we're never going to be able to see, which is too bad, but... um, I don't miss it from that one. No, I don't either. Honestly, I feel like there's just enough there, and it's... I think they had to cut a sex scene. Oh, is that what it was? The girl was underage. Oh, okay. That's right. The Bay of Blood kill. Yeah. Was it, there was but a they still, scene shot it's and weird because found out after the fact that she was she had lied about her age. Oh, but that's still stuff. like the end of that sex scene is still in the movie, which is weird, right? You know, so right. like it's like you, yeah, you don't you, you don't climax. miss anything. Yeah, you right. can watch. Yeah, underage people can do finishing scenes. Apparently, <laughs> 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 that's okay. <laughs> Entry. Of yes, sex, yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just got a lot of my favorite kills, and Hood, Hood Jason has always been my favorite Jason. And the face uh, under it's scary. Oh, the face under it's scary. Yeah, I just feel like he's and there's just some really solid filmmaking from Steve Miner. I think it's just really well done, you know? And I feel like Sean Cunningham's got some moments in the first movie, but I feel like he kind of he's is like... not a director. Though. Yeah, he's like, I, I mean, I'm not bagging on the guy, but it's like, uh, I think I know what I'm doing. I kind of got... But Steve Miner's like, I know I'm going to show some feet. I'm going to show different little bits of things that will not just be exactly what's happening. It'll hint at things. And Steve Miner's in my like top three most wanted all these years on Shockwave. Oh, because I, I think he's really solid and he just does not talk about these films. He's not even on those camp Crystal Lake documentaries. They've no one's been able to get them. Oh, that's does too this. bad. He does like plastic. That's he too does, bad because I really he, two yeah, and three are two of my favorites, and and I, it's a bummer that he. Yeah, I don't know what that what the, it's about, but he, I think he's a really good filmmaker. And uh, yeah, in general, there's one other thing that that uh, they talk about on In Voorhees We Trust, and <laughs> I hadn't thought about it until now, but they do do something at the beginning where they fuck with the timeline a little mm-hmm. bit because they 
they do this whole campfire story telling the story of Jason and they say five long years ago. So if Friday the 13th one is set in 1980, this movie was suddenly set in 19 or let's say it's in 1979. This movie is now in 84. So it's actually two years after it's in the future. Mm-hmm. And then the whole timeline is disrupted if you go off of that because uh, three is taking place after two and that it's this whole thing. It also grows between yeah, it <laughs> five years. And they like jump ahead again between four and five. Yeah. Tommy Jarvis ages eight years. Yeah. So, so there's, so the timeline is all like we're, we're in talking the, flying cars. By yes. the time we get to part, Doc eight. Brown should swoop in in <laughs> one of these. I, I actually had an idea about that. I was recently everyone's always trying to reinvent what what this film could be, and I thought, okay, if I had a new one, it would be about a couple young like teenagers because never kids, like actual kids. They fall in love at Camp Crystal Lake. Everyone's being killed, and they realize if they could get a time machine, they would go back and save Jason. Oh. And if you could save Jason, you could undo the whole timeline. Wow. The like hard it. part here is like, where do you get a time machine? But right. I love the idea that you would, if you could save him, not kill him, but save that poor boy. Well, there's been so yeah. many, um, you know, self-aware horror movies that I feel like that's probably it's pretty a close. Final girls. My wife and I were just watching uh, You Might Be the Killer the other day. I still haven't seen that one. I heard about it. Did you see it? I did. What do you think? I thought it was okay. You thought it was all right. Okay. We didn't finish it, to be fair. I, I was interested let me just say I was interested. I think Rob G is a fan of it. I think it was because of Rob we were watching it on Shutter. But I was like, oh, there's a lot of these now. They're kind of fun. They're interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, one minor note for me as a personal thing. I love this movie so much that when I was in high school, I wrote a short story that was all about a guy bringing his girlfriend to the woods and they're having a conversation walking back into the woods. They're kind of getting further and deeper into the woods. And he's unraveling extension cord as they're walking and come to find out that he really wants to do what this was before I'd ever heard of, like tri- rolling roadshow kind of stuff. He wants to like set up a TV and a VCR in the middle of the woods and watch Friday 13th Part 2 in the woods. <laughs> and that was th- this killer date that he'd come up with. And that was like, you know, high school me thinking that was a really clever idea. <laughs> <Your> meta-narrative. <laughs> so stupid. But, uh, but that's how important this movie was to me and i still think it would be pretty creepy to watch it in the woods to be honest where did that get ranked in that big super draft for that for uh, Freddy Jesse? i can't it remember it better have been high because yeah part two i've always I feel like it was in the top 10 somewhere yeah. yeah it's definitely my favorite and it's never been toppled it's uh there was recently a friday the 13th the 13th fell on a friday and so yeah. erica and i rewatched two and three and I really just had the thought, man, Steve Miner directs the shit out of this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, it is a really well-made movie. Yeah. And features, uh, Just Before Dawn has the second best pair of shorts in a yeah, horror movie. True. Friday the 13th Part 2 has the best pair yeah. of shorts in any Short horror shorts. movie. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes, they're pretty great. Steve Miner also worked in lots of the major franchises. Because I mean, he also did Halloween he did movies Halloween. later. Yeah. He did this. He did like class. I think he did, he did House. He did Soul Man. And I, and I think House. Is, actually. <laughs> That's the big oh. blight on his career where you're like, Steve Miner, really underrated director. Everybody, some assholes always got to go, oh, Soul <laughs> Man. I actually, one of my coworkers at Blockbuster back in the day loved soul man like unabashedly no unironically love soul man like i love this basketball scene in soul man <laughs> so much where he can't just fumble through. Just i mean like, wow. it's I, I don't think it's a i mean it's obviously it's a difficult <laughs> to say it. it's a now film it's for now oh it's boy generation oh boy <laughs> it is the word problematic really comes to mind but 
I think as a movie, it's there's an entertaining quality to it. If you can get past the racism, it's which is difficult. <laughs> the first <laughs> time um, I saw Donald Trump, you can get Trump, past uh, the killing in yeah. Friday the Thirteenth yes. Part Two. There's nothing. That's what he means by "Make America Great Again." He meant like Soul Man. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> when people just joke about their <laughs> and take a like color favorite, pill. It's his favorite movie. Uh, no, but I actually I genuinely thought that movie was pretty damn. I, I also I feel bad because uh, see Tommy Howe rules. I, I, no, I he's great. Tommy fan and, oh, just rewatched no, the Steve, Hitcher the other day. Steve, my, I, look another movie. I, it's not on my list if it's. A, I think House would in the middle of an all nighter, yes, yes. middle of an all nighter, gangbuster. Yes, because that energy of that movie is so. And I fun. think people forget how yeah. weird and kind of cra- off the rails, not not like bonkers exactly, but you're just like, oh, it's a horror movie. But then it goes into all these like yeah. almost other dimensions, and you're like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. What? And it's the directing would keep you awake because it just it like when it does a gag, it comes right. Like, I'm not talking about movies like top ten movies that scared you. When I saw that as a kid, the the woman who comes out of that closet. I, I just couldn't take it. Like I found that yeah. terrifying. Yeah, yeah. And even when he cut her into pieces, she's still alive for whatever reason. I have no idea why that scared me more. Now I watch it. She's just like a crazy Muppet thing, but it's still <laughs> awesome. Uh, but that movie's really maybe too underrated. In House, yeah. yeah, I think I think it is now. And Steve Miner. So you know, here's Steve, Steve Miner. And yeah. who wrote the script? Uh, Fred Decker. Fred Decker. Fred that's Decker, right. Yeah. Decker yeah. script. Yep. Sure. Steve Miner. One of these days, I'm gonna have to ask you guys for your help with this. I want to create a list of these like considered journeyman directors who are awesome and steve minor would be on there jack shoulder who yeah. you were 100%. talking about uh james glickenhaus mm. i would put on there dwight little i would put on there oh yeah because i love dwight little yeah. <laughs> but he i directed need to rapid fire right? he sure did yes and the halloween halloween four baby four. all right and marked for death oh maybe ba- best bad guy death in any action movie because <laughs> it's like <laughs> Yeah, those are all fun. Don't come like at me with Con Air, listeners. <laughs> Don't tell me Con Air is better than Marked for Death. I thought he could fly. Well, they, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're both wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but Nico is above the law. So. Uh, <laughs> like yes, yes. Um, all right, my last movie. Yes, what do we got? Uh, definitely my most obvious pick and the one that I knew I wanted to put on here as soon as you guys mentioned oh, this to me. Is before you go, this is going to be at... This oh, is 5 o'clock in the morning. 5 a.m. This is the last this is what one. you're sending them out with. I'm sending them out with this. I find I'm most awake at this time. Okay. I really? Think it's usually the one before or the one before that where you start. But if you make it this far, I think for whatever reason, maybe something starts kicking in where you're like, yeah. oh, I'm near the end. And sometimes they'll stop the movies and give you pizza or something, to, some coffee, whatever. Right. So, so donuts would be good. You know? What trailers we got for this? Uh, so my trailers are Malatesta's Carnival of Blood. Interesting. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I can't. I hate that movie. <laughs> Do you really? <laughs> like maybe I need to see it again. I haven't when seen that it, first, so I can't. No, I mean it's interesting. I weirdly liked it. it. No, yeah, but a lot of people loved it. But me and Dick had like someone around when we watched it, and we both were just like, "Why do we not like this movie?" Yeah, it's part of the Arrows. Um, American horror. Yeah, horror. But anyway, but it's a very atmospheric film. Yes, set on a carnival. Yeah. Uh, and Nightmare Alley. Oh, uh, I think I know where this is going. Of course he did. Yeah, I was like, how could he not? Like, <laughs> it's got to be. And then uh, I almost then, thought about it too, but I was like, I gotta leave that. Well, project. I appreciate you leaving yeah. it for me. And then just to wake everybody up, the music video for "Dancing with Myself" by Billy Idol. Oh, that's awesome! Oh, and touch. then uh, showing Toby Hooper's "The Fun House." Awesome. Something is alive in the Fun House. Something not alive like its father. Something better dead. Something that has the form of a human, but not the face. This better be good. It's gonna be great. Something that feeds off the flesh and blood of young innocence. Come on, here we go. This is it. Something that tonight will turn the funhouse into a carnival of terror. I don't know what that turn is. 
Pictures, The Fun House. It's a carnival of terror from Toby Hooper, the director who terrified you with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Part of this is because I worked backwards, because it's important when I program the last movie, I like to think about how's it going to end. And so one of my first picks was Bad Dreams, because oh, that was on my list for a while. Because it ends with Sweet Child of Mine. And I was like, what better way to send people out of the theater than with Sweet Child of Mine? And then I re-listened to your show yeah, sorry from about two that. years ago and Bad Dreams came up. So I was like, well, fuck, I can't do Bad Dreams. Um, the Fun House, I guess to sort of spoil the ending of The Fun House, has Elizabeth Barrage stumbling, that she's the final girl, stumbling out of The Fun House as the sun has come up, just bleary and in disbelief of what has happened. I was like, this is how everyone's going to feel walking out That's of the great. theater as soon as this movie ends. I like so. Um, they'll watch this happen and then they'll go up. But I also programmed it because, well, it's my favorite movie from my favorite director, but also it's a movie that I revisited at one of these 24-hour marathons. I had seen it on DVD, thought it was okay. This was really before I was like so all in on Toby Hooper and um, caught it at a 24-hour marathon at like 3 a.m. And everybody who had been with me had left. They'd all gone home to sleep. So I was by myself and it was 3 a.m. and this movie came on that I had already seen but didn't really remember. It was a gorgeous 35 millimeter print and it was like seeing it for the first time and it was a transformative experience how much I fell in love with that movie and that is immediately what sent me down the rabbit hole of Toby Hooper. Yeah, and it's that like was. that viewing is what I have to thank for my love of his work and him as a filmmaker. Um, Quick plug to your was it how many hours was your Toby Hooper tribute? Ooh, good question. Was it uh, a thing or I think it ended up being like fourteen hours. Yeah, Rondo Award nominated. Rondo, <laughs> Rondo nominated. nominated. Uh, all day tribute to, to with lots of different guests. We were covering uh, Salem's Law. Yes, which you was guys fun. were nice enough to come. That on. was great. That was super fun. But and I, I also enjoyed listening to it because it was like radio. It was like live. Oh yeah, it was which super was cool. Unusual. It was super cool. That the whole thing, great idea, yeah. great execution. You've released most of it, I feel like. Yeah, on I think throughout so. the years on your, yeah. which is great. So if you search the F this movie feed, you'll find some really great stuff. Caroline yeah. Williams and and Mick Garris and. Jared Rivett had an Rivet. amazing yep, segment. Yep, yeah, that was good. Stephanie yeah. Crawford, a whole bunch of people yeah. on there that were great. So that that was super neat. It was super fun. You guys were super nice to come on and help out. So it was thank a blast. You. It was one of we haven't done a lot of uh, both of us on a guests thing. I think that was the first one. Yeah, yeah. and then yeah. the next was screen drafts. Yeah. I don't oh, think wow. we've done. Well, minutes. also, it was, it was fun. I mean, because I always liked Salem's lot, but I, like, after that revisit, I, like, love, I mean, yeah. you always think of the Keith's couple scenes, but watching right. it again, I was like, oh, it's, again, it's one of his best movies. He's got, like, four or five really terrific yes. movies, you know, that are yep. stand and the best horror film of all time. So that helps. And I, I think I told the story <laughs> on that episode, but I worked with. <laughs> Mike Williamson is out. I love the Buzzing in with the mangler. Yes, <laughs> I love the mangler. <laughs> um, I, I worked with the kid. The guy who played the kid who hangs outside the window. Oh, uh, right, right. Um, he's in the Apple Dumpling Gang. I'm blanking. blanking Wait, you worked with him? I worked with him. He was a producer at my work for a little while. Wow. Yeah. and, and Wait, I, for some reason I missed that. Maybe I've just uh, Maybe I didn't tell the story, but but he he was super nice, and uh, he was also in the Apple Dumpling Gang. He's in, like, 
Return to Witch Mountain, and he was like a Disney kid for a little while. Okay. Um, but he, I remember he told me some story about the apparatus they used to hang him up and that it was a little funky, if I recall. Um, his name is, ah, oh, damn it, I can't find it right now. Um, I'll find it in a second. But but anyway, that just was really neat to talk to him about that movie because I just that moment is the yeah, moment so many people serious. remember, yeah. you know, and I just think it's super neat. Yeah, like Toby has um, that, Poltergeist, Life Force, they all have like some amazing sequence like of effect. Oh, yeah. Where you're like, oh, how'd they do that? Yeah. And all of them have a moment that's like very fantastic like that, yeah. And the Funhouse fun is bo- bo- uh, such a great bonkers movie. They, we played a jump cut on 16 once. Uh, oh, nice. I, I, I'm pretty sure Mike Williamson dressed up as a character from it. <laughs> Gunther? Uh, yeah. No, he dressed Not up as the like monster. the cross-dressing woman, and somebody else was the, like always. Sylvia Miles. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of Brad boring. Savage was the actor's name. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Wow. He's great. He's really and good. And it's also tongue-in-cheek, really nice because it's also doing a little bit of the psycho riff at the start, which is tongue-in-cheek. And Halloween. Yeah. And again, oh, yeah. before those movies had been referenced yeah. to death, yeah, that's part of what I love about the movie is that it's constantly, uh, it's this magic trick he just keeps doing where it's never exactly what you think it's going to be. And that starts with that opening sequence because not only is this not a murder in a shower, it's also not the character you think it is who's doing it. And he does that throughout the film. It, I know a lot of people don't necessarily have patience for it because it takes probably close to an hour for the actual horror to start oh, for I, so much of the movie. It's just them yeah. fucking around the carnival. I love, I love that. I me love too. Uh, the, the whole me film, too. It's my favorite of his too. It's yeah. definitely my favorite Toby Hooper movie. Like I was, I was this close to, A, I was going to program it, but then I was like, oh, I should just rewatch it. I'm, but yeah. I'll save it. I will yeah. rewatch it. But I, I love it. I just think it's fantastic. That would be a good list of like what we think, because it's kind of like what we're doing, but what are the best films to watch on Halloween? I would put that in there. Oh, yeah. Nice. That's you know, those movies that have that feeling yeah, like yeah, Halloween yeah. 3. We have yeah. these movies that we want to go to. That's another one, because I just I think costuming and design, it just makes you think. Because well, it's about being out all night and yeah. being with your friends and lying to your parents and you know doing and then and being murdered, which yes. a lot of us have done on yeah. Halloween and before. Laugh, laughing Sal, the Big, uh, but, <laughs> but this is the this is the movie you know i don't want to get into the whole debate about poltergeist um but i just i defy anyone who says that he didn't direct poltergeist to watch the funhouse and tell me was well, salem's lots before poltergeist right yeah but mm-hmm. so is funhouse oh right but funhouse I mean, is the year before but like even the scene that he was talking about right oh yeah that would also get yes. okay See, because i think one of the big things that you often hear with poltergeist is oh but look at the special effects that's kind of thing spielberg right goes, well yeah but also say he's doing it too right so Right. Again, we, we'll just accept that they both had a party on that film and made one of the best horror films. So it's a Toby Hooper film. Yeah. yeah. We know that much. Yeah, but I mean, Funhouse for me, I, the, the Carnival Milieu is another one of my favorites. I just love, I also love that you picked Nightmare Alley as a great film noir. I mean, it's it's borderline horror. I mean, it, it, it could be in part of a horror all-nighter and I wouldn't be too upset. It's more film noir maybe, but yeah, it's that environment, that carny environment is just so... I don't know, compelling, fascinating, weird, I don't know. Did Hooper do commentaries on that? Like I've Yeah, he's on the he's movie. on there. He's on the uh Scream Factory, yeah. but it's I don't love the commentary. He's not great on that stuff, right? And it's not He's not and it's it doesn't matter, you know what I mean? If the guy is not particularly yeah, I mean, artistic. <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> As Jared would say, I'd rather be in my garden. <laughs> oh, is that a thing? <laughs> it's, 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 it's probably the best story I've ever... Did he tell that story, Jared? On I think so. Basically, Jared and him were trying to make what remake White Zombie. Oh, yeah, he did tell us. And the story. they were dealing with studio people, and at a certain point, the studio people started getting really heavy on them and, like, you know, making them 
jump through all these holes and it's just one of the stories that really stuck with me and and jared you know jared's really young and he's getting to work with like this legend right so he just wants to make this movie and you know him and toby leave this one meeting and toby he said toby just started talking for like 30 minutes about the zen garden he has outside and just like all the stuff and jared was like i have no idea what he's talking about and kind of like asked him and he goes well i guess what i'm trying to say is uh you know uh, we could try to make this movie with them. Uh, I'd rather just be in my garden. <laughs> because he knew they were going right. to just get right. fucked. Yeah. They are going to work hard, make something that won't turn out the way you want. And at a certain point in your career. Well, and he clearly was a guy who went through a lot of that. Yeah. And I would argue yes. almost every movie, it seems like he just got about, fucked. Yeah. And then it's just so sad to me because well, yeah, and that's I'm only saying. now starting to appreciate him. You've helped me appreciate him more oh, than I did. Oh, that means a lot. Yeah, I know. It's a big deal. And I'm finally getting it. And I, and I feel bad when I miss the boat on something. I try not to be that guy, but... But he's a tricky one, I think, for a lot of people. Tonally, he does things that almost nobody else even attempts to do. And when they do do it, they definitely don't pull off what he's pulling off, which I didn't even realize he was pulling off until I was able to sort of go through the movies several times, which, you know, that's on me. I just can't. While you're here, uh, what's a good underrated? Because I think Funhouse has been, like, you know, accepted. It's it's like a beautiful screen. But is there one that you think people are still not hip to? I mean, almost any of his movies. I think people still laugh off the mangler. Okay, yeah. And I don't think they should. Is that on blue now? Yes. It is. Screen Factory. Factory I did adjust the discs on it, which was fun with the pink smoke I also think his remake of Toolbox Murders is really underrated. First time I saw that, I was like, I I felt like a total return to form. Really dark, really scary. Yeah. Uh, really Sherry intense. Moon in Sherry Moon's in a few Shin minutes. Of it. Yeah, no, I just. Remember. But I actually, I've only seen the one time. But I remember going, "Oh wow, this!" I thought it was going to be really bad, like straight to video kind of thing. Well, a lot of those that. remakes I've come across I've been th- of that series. Like I feel like there was a few more. Yeah. And I, I won't name any names because I can't remember them. But there was a couple <laughs> that I watched where I was like, "Oh, that's awful! Like that's yeah. just terrible." Yeah. So like I think I unfairly lumped that in with those others, and that just wasn't right. So I got to check that out. Yeah, well, and I still think Chainsaw is the greatest horror film ever made. So, um, I, I, I say it's the most independent, like just so fiercely. Like when you start reading about that movie, what you don't realize is how everyone's against Toby. Like everyone oh, yeah. crew is turning on oh, him yeah. because he just has a vision. Like you're trying right. to get this thing done, and it's probably the worst set you could ever be stuck on. The smell of meat carcasses, <laughs> and like it's 130 degrees in Texas, and you have no money. And I'm like, just when I watch that movie, I'm like, wow, no one's ever pulled some shit like this on. Right. That's it's next level for me. When I also just want to say i love the idea of your closing with that last scene is that's great i love that it's beautiful yeah good stuff they're going on through well the best ones i've ever so the best uh walking out the number one all time was a it wasn't just horror but it was like crazy movies all night and that was an aunt timson one in new zealand we walked out i've told you this before and it was 6 a.m by the time we walk out into the light there's no traffic that not a human al- alive this time on a sunday morning just the light just coming out and i just finished miracle mile Oh, wow. And that blew. Yeah. And I'd never seen it. Oh, wow. Like 10 years, 15 years ago. And it (laughs) blew my fucking mind. Because I'd just seen the end of everything. I walked out, and there's no one on the streets. And I was like, that guy knew how to end an all-nighter. I'm not even going to come close to that on this. Uh, And then the other one, which is more relative. Well, actually, let me tell the trailers first, because this one will give it away. Um, So it's uh, 5, 7 in the morning. My trailers, oops, here they are, um, would be... High Tension, uh, the French uh, extreme thriller, um, and X-Ray from 1982, a.k.a. Horror Hospital. Both are very loose. Uh, A little bit of beheadings, a little bit of hospitals. Um, The other thing I learned from an all-nighter was when I went to Dario Argento all-nighter 
at the New Bev a couple years ago, which I think all of us were like, I wonder how that will go as an all-nighter. Like, it was kind of hard to tell. And it, I don't don't even think I was sleepy for a second. Like, it was just such a good person to do an all-nighter. But they ended with the Creepers cut of Phenomena. And it was so fucking great. Like, it, the energy, and there's some bonkers moments. There's a thing with a chimp towards the end where you've just never, you went out on a, right. like, holy oh, yeah. shit. And it for was just sure. great. And you went out into the world. So, uh, a movie that is uh, lesser tier Argento for uh, many people and for some good reasons, uh, dramatically. Oh, I know what this is now. Well, you, you do. Spoiled because, it. No, I didn't spoil it. Uh, Rob spoiled it. Yeah, but you uh, didn't have to say that you were going to. Well, that's my hint. But I knew I was going to be recording this after. So, uh, this is. Uh, have you seen it, though? That's the question. I don't think I have. Okay. So, uh, this movie will play a thousand times better with a crowd than it ever will if you watch this film at home. So, hopefully, this is uh, Dario Argento's first American movie, Trauma, from 93. Much of what I do comes from. Argento's trauma. Some other soul is here with us tonight. The reason dead. It will draw you in. Hold you down. Don't be afraid. And pull you apart. Whose face? You saw him. Because someone is watching. Your friend may be in real danger. Someone is waiting. Were they lovers? Lovers. Someone who knows the past cannot be forgotten. They were decapitating. The severed heads of all seven headhunter victims were found in the trunk of his car. And never forgiven. She's not here. They just came and took her away. all alone now. This film, I watched it again not long ago, and when I was watching it, some of the drama is really like, you know, <laughs> Asia Argento playing a bulimic, anorexic girl, and, it, and it, it, t- it takes the subject super serious, but then does things that are like really about it, which I always think is a little weird in a horror film, but um, it's Mark Rydell is in there with uh, as a guy trying to help her. Uh, this film is bonkers with a capital B. When it goes to the horror sequences, it is crazy. Uh, it has Tom Patrick Savini. Agrees. So it's shot in Minneapolis, but I'm sure it's set in New Orleans. But uh, Tom Savini uh, does some really good gore stuff that was toned down a bit, but he creates uh, a garroting device, which is basically like, you know, in the, the Godfather where somebody pulls out a barbed wire and strangles you. But in this case, it's a device, medical device that uh, closes around your neck and then starts tightening automatically and cuts your head off. So this is a film with tons of beheadings that are utterly crazy when they pull them off. Uh, Asia Argento's mom is... Piper Laurie, so you're already in good hands. Uh, it opens like with a seance scene. Uh, basically, every time it rains, some and it has to rain. Somebody is out there beheading people. There's a pattern to who they're killing, and the killer is a mystery till very late in this film. Uh, Asia Argento's mother dies is, is beheaded pretty early on after the seance, so she's one of the first victims, and her so her parents are gone, and she's 
uh, she meets this young news reporter guy, or he kind of, I guess he works in the newsroom. He's trying to help her along. That part of the story just doesn't work at all. <laughs> I don't even, uh, even know what they're trying to do, but they're trying to solve the thing. But it also has, um, who else is in this thing? It's got Brad Dorff. Brad, well, Brad Dorff plays a, a doctor character, has, has one of the craziest endings to, <laughs> to, his, to his stuff that you'll ever see in a movie. Uh, he's playing a crazy doctor, which is fun. Um, but uh, it's uh, Freddie Forrest plays like a priest which is just insane uh and somebody else is in this thing but it's kind of like uh somewhat melodrama mixed with some of the most bonkers murder scenes you've ever seen uh all i know is it ends with a reggae band on a porch and i'm like why is it <laughs> with no <laughs> like, reference to that well ever. like every movie like, should like something uh, wild. i have no idea um <laughs> but the garroting stuff is amazing if you're it's called a new somatic on, on on set they called it the it's new somatic in, uh, the counselor that ridley scott yes movie? yes they use it in the counselor and that's one of the best oh, things in the counselor, yeah. Yeah, the director. uh it was meant to be goblin so he had goblin on tap to make a really cool badass score for him and this is what changes the in my opinion this is what changes the entire film because he does the producers then American producers reject Goblin he gets Pino Dinaggio and Pino Dinaggio does a score it was very last minute and it basically makes us feel more like a Brian De Palma film than it feels like an Argento film Sold. and that's when it becomes really weird it's this weird uh, meeting of these two styles so it's almost like the lesser film of both of them somehow becomes this <laughs> even more special movie uh, but I really this is the one I'm probably most excited about the idea of seeing with an audience that's why I saved it to the last spot. It could be in the middle of the night and it still would have been good. But I think this would send people going, whoa, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. You know, and like, I hadn't seen that Argento. Um, it's, it, I kind of wish he had done a couple more American films. Uh, but the one part I have to say, and I will not give it away. And I, I'm, I probably, whenever I talked about it on shockwaves a year ago or whatever, uh, it has a flashback that explains the whole story. Like the why, right? By the end of this movie, they, they finally kind of go, why has this been happening? The flashback of the why is I'm going to go on record next to something like Pieces, the single craziest thing I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> so when you watch this, you find, hunt this movie down. I think Blue Underground maybe have a... They definitely have the DVD. I don't know if the Blu-rays come out. Do you know if there's yet? a Blu-ray? There's patch? no Region 1 okay. Blu-ray, okay. but I have a Region 2, I think. Okay, cool. Yeah. This, like, the difference is like when you get to Stendhal, which I think is still... I, I still think Opera is the last like great, great argument. Yeah. But I just recently watched Sleepless again and really liked it. I think Stendhal's really interesting, but again, so grim. This is like the darkness, but also some comedy, some crazy performances. So it's, you're still having fun with Argento. This this flashback, you will literally like write to me and go, what how yeah. the fuck? <laughs> a, is that in a movie? And also, and it totally justifies all the shit you saw. You're like, oh yeah, no, I get it. Um, so <laughs> I'm not going to ruin it for you. It is fucking wild. And this is a you know just one of those movies. And I first time I saw this was on VHS when I was going through my first diary phase when I was probably like 22 and I did not like it at all. I was like, oh God, what a bummer. Like this is, that guy doesn't have it at all anymore. And rewatching it now, I was like, no, this is super fun. And I think with a crowd, we'll slay. So I want you to garrot somebody and uh, kind of go out into the daylight after that uh, beheading. That's my, my plan. And I just, nice. I think you could, you can't go wrong. And that's with a great, no, that's a really good pick. Yeah, no, you guys both, mine is going to seem like not, not very Nonsense. good in, in comparison. Us. I went a totally different direction. You guys ended strong. I end with goofiness. No, 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 uh, goofy. That, yeah. Goofy's good. So um, my trailers would be Trump Abbott. pretty goofy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's well, I, I'd like to watch it. Um, trailers, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein and Saturday the 14th. Okay. Um, Transylvania 65,000. You got it. All right. It began as a routine assignment. Transylvania. Where is that? I don't know. It's over there someplace. But beneath the surface. Transylvania. Cute. It's cute. Of this happy land. Ah. Horror awaits them. Ah. Damn it. 
investigating Frankenstein. You mean the monster? And a terrible secret lurks in the shadows. I'm terribly sorry. We thought you were an animal. He is. Now they're discovering the truth. Did you see Dracula? Yeah, yeah, when it first came out. About the creatures of the night. Shut up, you lowlife. I'm low. I'm low. The curse of the undead. Did you want to hurt me? Hurt you? No. Bite you? The terror of the full moon. Oh, yeah, going into town. And the monster that science created. Full house. But could not destroy. Does this hurt? Does this hurt? Good. Everything hurts. Jeff Goldblum. Mm-hmm. Ed Begley Jr. Hi, ladies. Joseph Bologna. Oh. And Gina Davis. Tell me you want me to. <laughs> For a good time called... Transylvania 6, 5,000. <laughs> it's good, huh? And that's the one I most think Spooky's had similarities to. Oh, are you serious? I just didn't want to say because I had a feeling. And I was going to watch Transylvania 6, 5,000 for my... Until I saw you post about it. Oh, I okay. Like, I hadn't seen it in years. I was like, oh, maybe I should rewatch Transylvania. Okay. Uh, let me just say it's not a great movie. I'm going <laughs> to lead with that. But... I loved it as a kid, though. No, I, I loved so. it as a kid, too. And I still think that Ed Bagley Jr. and Jeff Goldblum are a great comic team mm. that never were. Mm. I really think they're great together in the movie. They have a ton of great scenes. Uh, I know how we feel about Michael Richards at this point, but this is the Michael Richards that we love from UHF. This is that manic, wild, crazy, mm. was allowed to improvise ridiculous scenes where he's in a rocking horse in a closet, mm. just doing whatever, has a fake leg that he likes to stick into doorways that people can grab, and <laughs> then he falls down. Like he, Anyway, he is like the Harpo Marx of the movie, like legit, totally is, and I love that about it. But it's it's just a silly premise. It's like it opens with a great scene of like this kind of like a Bigfoot style video of somebody filming Frankenstein. And that has inspired Norman Fell, who runs this like tabloid newspaper, to send his son, played by Ed Bigley Jr. and Jeff Goldblum, to Transylvania to try and find out about Frankenstein. Is the He's flying them out there for that. Get me a story about Frankenstein. I like to think, and only you'll appreciate this probably, but I like to think of this Jeff Goldblum character as an extension of his Between the Lines character. So he's like a, a, a journalist for a you know counterculture newspaper. Now he's moved up to <laughs> tabloid rag, and the, and he's just equally flabbergasted by this type of germ- journalism he's being asked to do. Um, but. It's it's a lot of fun, and I guess apparently the director wanted Tom Hanks and Peter Scolari because he'd yeah. seen *Bosom Buddies*, <laughs> and I don't know if that would be better. I I I'm sure I would enjoy that as well, but um, but apparently Mel Brooks also saw this and saw Gina Davis and Goldblum, and that was part of what led to *The Fly*, which I thought was cool too. Um, and as for Gina Davis. She plays like this vampire woman and she has this incredibly sexy outfit that's like split right down the middle and her breasts are just almost hanging out of it. And boy, as a kid, that (laughs) snapped something in me and I was just like, what is that feeling? She is so attractive. I don't don't know what's going on. So I still feel that weirdness when I watch it. I'm like, oh, I remember I'm having a flashback to that kid who saw that and was like, something went there. I don't know. But uh, it's written and directed by Rudy DeLuca who wrote... uh, uh, high anxiety and silent movie so it definitely has that sort of not quite as polished mel brooks goofiness uh and a lot of the jokes don't land but some of them do and between the jeff goldblum and bagley stuff i think it's a fun way to sort of leave people you know i you could sub 
Jim Wynorski's Transylvania Twist in this spot. That's also a funny one. But uh, I, I think it's it's not bad. It's only on DVD, I think. It's actually one of my favorite Wynorski movies. I think as a comedy, mm. it works more. <laughs> I know that's I know that's faint <laughs> praise. But as a comedy, it works more than just about any other Wynorski comedy. Okay. And okay. also faint praise. But still, <laughs> I think it's pretty good. Uh, but yeah, this one for me, just the Goldblum really is the thing. He's just in that prime time and him and Bagley good stuff good stuff i haven't seen it since that like when i was a kid it was kind of like another one of those ones i like to watch a lot and i think maybe it's a really good gateway it could be i mean it's, it's definitely you know like monster squad it's got all the monsters yeah, in it and it's lighter and yeah it could easily be a nice gateway you know a good movie to show your kid that will end up being one of their favorites as a kid that they may right. come back later yeah. and go that was terrible but i don't think so i think it still yeah. works and i think with a you're saying that the crowd would be more awake. My assumption was that they'd be a little sleepy still and that yeah. it might play funnier for a sleepier crowd. Yeah, ending with a comedy, I think, is a really good idea. That's what I did with the uh, Shockwaves one, and I just thought that was... was a good, do you remember what <sighs> No, I can't, can't remember, remember what I... I can't remember what my last pick was, but I thought it was a fun way to end it, so... And now you are out of the theater. You've got your donuts and coffee, and mm-hmm. you've had this night of cinema. Yes. Uh, now we're going to... Qu- let's go quickly around just with all, only the titles, if we can remember your order. All right, uh, 7 p.m., The Blob, 9 p.m., The Black Cat, 11 p.m., Curtains, 1 a.m., The Church, 3 a.m., Shivers, and 5 a.m., The Fun House. Okay, nice. Um, I had Superstition following, uh, the, then after that, Sweet 16, and then I had uh, Night Tide in the classic section, then I had Anguish by Biggest Luna, then I had Spookies, and then I had trauma. Good stuff. Um, I had private parts, uh, Island of Lost Souls, followed by From Beyond, and then Mortuary, Friday Thirteenth Part Two, and Transylvania Six Five Thousand. Uh, movie you most want to watch now after this episode? Are you jonesing for something right now? Uh, four of yours I have not seen. Oh, you haven't seen. So uh, Anguish or Spookies are the two that I want to watch right now. I also want to see Spookies. I su- watch it in my hotel room tonight. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, you probably won't find it. Oh, oh I was just saying, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I just said. Uh, I want to see Superstition and The Church and Spookies. And I want to see Mortuary because I haven't seen it. And I want to rewatch The Black Cat. I feel like you sold me on that for sure. It's great. Um, yeah, and then we could mix all these together and have have our 24 hour. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I put together a letterbox list that I'll release a little while after this. And But as a group of movies... I think it. I think it looks pretty good. Yeah, it's super fun, and the and the fun part being this is going to come out probably a few days before the uh, the new Beverly will be having a all nighter, uh, and this will probably come out a few days before. So I'm sure it's long sold out. But if there's any way to get in, you should head to that because it is an experience. And if you obviously don't live near LA, there's going to be great all nighters. Yeah, hopefully somewhere near you. Maybe yeah. there's somebody doing it. It seems like a thing that happens. And yeah, if you've never done it, like take like I think, I think we, the one thing I think we hit on that I think is. Uh, closest to the reason to do it is that idea that you are now captive to movies you didn't choose and you don't know what they are and your anticipation changes and maybe your openness in the middle of the night changes to how you take in a movie that you might not have otherwise. Absolutely. Um, I I just think there's nothing like them. That's the only shitty thing about getting all these kind of things get a little harder. But um, I find, weirdly enough, I can do an all-nighter better than I could probably do a a single midnight movie now. Weirdly enough. It's like probably the anticipation of it and getting prepared. Well, I would think if you do fall asleep, if you're only at one movie, 
movie, then you're like, well, I just you fucking... missed the whole movie. Yeah, I missed the whole reason yeah. I came here. Whereas if you miss one of six, you're like, all right, one sixth yeah. of it is not right. so bad. Yeah, exactly. But um, well, from us, Patrick, we are so like stoked that you came out here and do this. Yeah, man. you guys are so, so nice to this have. This is me great. On. I I love these kinds of marathons, and I love this show. And uh, sweetheart, I'm a huge fan of both of you. So you guys are so so nice to have me on. I can't thank you enough. And the Our and pleasure. the fact that you chose that one movie that was only an hour. That is why we put you on Frontier Airlines. <laughs> and, you know, you cut us a little. You know, you're a little cheap I on that one hour. I cheated you. And so we and cheated you a little. Brian's was only 70 minutes. Exactly. Yeah. If no. I'd been on a flight. I'm sure you're How long re- is re- rerouted through uh, Puerto Rico or something <laughs> on your way home to Chicago. But uh, All because I picked the black cat. <laughs> yeah. I deserve it. Let's face yeah, it. No, uh, but, yeah, no, we, we're excited uh, people to check out, like, those who don't, like, you know, because there's going to be some people who don't know your show or what you do over at the F. This maybe one of the things I like most. Uh, that you guys do besides just, you know, like what we try to do with just general positive approach to like movies. Uh, I really like, the, is it J- June or July, the exploitation? June. June. I, I always love seeing what you guys are doing. I can never really do a whole month of it. Um, but I always, I, I made a list for this year on Letterboxd yes, before just, very just nice to help people. But I get excited that people, are, I, I always will get some discoveries from seeing what people are watching because they'll put the hashtag in mm-hmm. this movie or June exploitation. Or, and mm-hmm. that to me is what this is all about, trying to get people to new movies they haven't seen yet. Yeah. Yeah. I love Excited about movies. I'll, another thing I love about your show, there's several different kinds of, you do a lot of different stuff. You'll cover new movies. Um, you will do uh, a year. You guys will take a, take on a single year and that's kind of fun. Uh, and then you and your wife, Erica have done several episodes where you've revisited your top 10 lists from the early 2000s. Yeah. And I think that's great. And then you update it. You say like, this is what I picked then. And this is what I would pick now. And I think that's really neat. And it definitely inspired an episode of my Just the Disc where my wife and I, we ended up just talking about her favorite stuff on Blu-ray, but it was because of those shows. I was like, I really want to talk to my wife about this stuff. And that was what it was. I'm very so, lucky that she's such a movie fan and that uh, she's willing to do those shows with me. So they're some of my favorites to record, absolutely. They're a blast. And I'm very lucky that she's willing to make uh, plans with me about you. So am I. Because this <laughs> is the second very thing lucky we've uh, planned uh, that she probably gets she's super stressed. She's conspirator. So and thank you. Erica. Yes, yes, thanks, Erica. This episode couldn't have happened without you. We are uh, super glad. Thank you, Patreon supporters, uh, for helping us. You know, keep the keeping the show rolling and at the quality we'd like to, to deliver it at. Yes. And big thank you to the new Beverly. Also, big time the inspiration for this particular episode. Absolutely. Thanks, Pat. Thank you, guys. Thank you.